The following podcast contains coarse language and adult themes. This week on the show, is that sand in your crack? You bet it is. We're talking the art house blockbuster from the filmmaker whose name no one can remember. It's Denis Vernu. It's De- it's Dennis. It's Dennis. Ver- it- oh fuck! It's Dune. I'm Riggs. and I'm Eddie, and this is the Film Addicts Podcast. <laughs> Hello friends, welcome back to the Filmatics Podcast. We're so happy to have you here. I'm here with Addy. How are you doing, mate? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm absolutely dandy. I'm very excited to be here to talk about Dune, uh, the, the release from last year. Um, man, what a what an epic, epic undertaking this film is. It really is. But before that, we have Dune News. We do. We do have some nerd news. Is everybody ready for nerd news? Because here comes the theme song. Enjoy! <laughs> That's right, I love that theme song, it's so good. Uh, I'm very excited that I found that. Uh, we're back for nerd news, and uh, first off we're going to do some trailer talk, which isn't, um, you know, white trash people talking about trailers. It's, uh... <laughs> I like to have one that I can fit on the back of my truck. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about movie trailers. What has come out this week, Addy? Tell me. So we had our love and thunder teaser trailer drop yeah we had a stranger things trailer drop i didn't see that one and we had a new light here trailer drop which tells us a lot about the film i didn't see that one either tell me tell me i saw the thor one and you know it looks suitably thorish um and uh <laughs> you know it's 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 looks glossy and marvel-tastic um what's what was the I'm not caught up on Stranger Things. What's the, the, the going-ons there? The last time we saw Stranger Things was like a year ago. So okay. I did really watch. So uh, we see like we see different teams in different places come up and like so they're kids and then the new characters. The first the first one dropped like in end or like start of 2021. So yeah, I mean it's a lot of stuff. I don't think they should have done that. Because uh, it shows quite a, yeah, it shows quite a lot of things. Um, Jesus, my phone's blowing up for some reason. Oh, they're calling me. They're calling me. That's a Drake song, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, uh, there's a new, there's the biggest villain, I guess. And... What they're doing with the season is that they're splitting into two parts. So we'll have, oh. I'll just have to look the dates. Because uh, I don't know why they're doing this. They did with, uh, they did with uh, Love Tales Robots as well. When they had the whole season and then they released it like last year. Mm. And now they're going to release it like in May. Uh, the news, yeah, the part, so, part three or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's... They're saying it's a new season, but they had like already done all of that before. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so 
It has nine episodes, but part one releases on 27th of May, 2022. Right. This is this is Stranger Things you're talking about? This is Stranger Things, yeah. correct. Do you, do you think they're breaking it up just so they can kind of mine more views out of it? Because I know that Netflix isn't doing very well at the moment. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and also those actors, those young actors aren't young actors anymore now. I mean, isn't, isn't Millie Bobby Brown like... 27 years old or something she's not 27 years old no that's she's me like, exaggerating she's, no, like she's like she just 20, turned 21 or something didn't she? she's she's like you know she's Probably. Uh, yeah yeah i, I know that yeah. she she was definitely and the other guys like they're all like f- look like 40 year old men now so i just you can only get out of it's it's much more it's become much more ya i feel than it was before it's much more of a you know for the age that would would appeal to the Hunger Games crowd or the Maze Runner crowd than it did, you know, kid kids. Yeah. Um, Millie Bobby Brown turned 18, not 21. She turned 18. Okay. So she's not an old hag. She's not an old sea hagged wench like I thought she was. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Regan. Get your head right. I don't know. I don't follow these kids stuff. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, so yeah, they're splitting those up. That's, That's smart, I guess. I honestly haven't been back since the end of season two, so I'm not really sure what's up with that. Really? So you don't know what happened in season three? No idea. Wow, that's interesting. Definitely don't watch the trailer then. No, I won't. That's why I've been avoiding it because I always think to myself I'll go because I did really enjoy it. It was the first Mm -hmm. season in particular was, was, you know, the Duffer brothers know how to put them together. Absolutely. But uh, I I just, I don't know. I don't know why I dropped off. I did the same thing with um, a series of unfortunate events um the uh the series of that which had um what's the guy the actor's name in it patrick neil patrick neil, harris neil patrick harris i yeah. almost got you i almost got you <laughs> was like like yeah last week those of you remember listening were those of you who remember those of you who listened to episode four will recall addy was johnny on the spot when it came to people's names last week so much so that who did you pull out of your hat it was ridiculous uh- it was John C. Riley. John C. Riley was like, "What the fuck is the most random person of all time?" Um, okay, cool. So that's well, you know, I hope I'm be interested to see. You know, I saw the images of that villain, of the new villain. So that'll be interesting to see, uh, sort of what what transpires there. And being that it's the final season, uh, what was the other trailer? What well, just going back? Uh, it's not the final season, though. Isn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So season five is going to be the final one. Okay. And. Uh, yeah, that's what they said. Like the Duffer brothers said, I think at the end of 2019, that season five is going to be the last we see of the story with these kids. Now they do have plans for a spinoff that they haven't disclosed yet. But seeing where Netflix is going right now, we don't know what will happen. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about that shortly. Um, what was the other trailer that you were talking about? So it was uh, Thor, which looked—I mean, it looks good. It's—it's it's given given us a taste of exactly what we we're expecting, really. Um, you know, with a with a, a cool sort of seventies, eighties rock song. Like, I'm interested to see, you know, just what that is post Endgame. Um, I I don't know. I really don't know. I think it's I think it's cool that his his. Uh, Chris Hemsworth's son is playing young Thor. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I saw that on your story and I was like, I did not know that. Looks cute as hell. Whether you think, whatever you think about Chris Hemsworth or his son for that matter or the Thor franchise or Marvel, you can't deny that's pretty fucking cute. Absolutely. So you like the the teaser trailer then? Yeah. Teaser trailer? Yeah, I mean, it was... uh... I'm st- I'm getting into a place where like especially after just seeing I was just saying to Addy before ladies and gentlemen which I keep fucking saying people good people planet earth I just went and saw the northman um Robert Eggers new film and it's it is a movie it is something else my friends it is wonderful I I I recommend everyone go out and see it um not on a full stomach though because it's there's some gore in there but yeah. it's really really good i'm just i'm starting to to see the seams in marvel stuff where it's just they, they they're defaulting and you know this might have something to do with the pandemic they're defaulting to you know volumes and 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 green screen and and cg even so much so that when they showed the wonderful reveal of natalie portman in in the thor outfit with mjolnir the the resurrected mjolnir you can see it in pieces the helmet looked like it was cg like why can't can't you just put a helmet on her? So I was just a bit confused, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean that's it's a trailer, so who fucking knows? What did you reckon? Yeah, well, it's a teaser trailer. We don't we know that uh, Christian Bale is playing God uh, Gore the God Butcher, mm. Gore the God Butcher. How you pronounce it? Um, it's a, it's just a teaser. I mean, it's been said that the Guardians are not going to be a huge part of that story. That'll be so, that'll be first act only. Yeah, that'll be like the first fifteen minutes. Yep. But again, I and I can be completely wrong. But I was watching that and I was like, oh god, thank, thank god, like I I don't run a YouTube channel where I, where I react to shit because I was just I was I hated it. Oh really? Okay, well, not, well I've got a podcast, so fucking speak up. <laughs> what didn't you like about it? I it's don't know, hair, man. Isn't it? You think the hair's too much? No, I love the hair. The oh. hair's too. The hair, all the hair, I love it. Um, to, but going back to hair, I hate that they they left out the braided beard that has that he has in Endgame, the final battle, because that looked awesome. Because he's a Norse god, he, he has to have braided more, hair. Yeah, much more godlike. After and again, after just seeing the Northmen, they all look more like that. I mean, apart from Alexander Skarsgård, because he's from space and doesn't have a human yeah. physique at all it's incredible the guy looks like a bear and um yeah the, the, like they most of them look like thor did at the end of endgame with that sick braid and the kind of the bigness and the axes and stuff it's yeah is it do you, you like that look you dig that look in him i i dig that look man and uh, secondly i don't know why and i can be completely wrong and i'm saying this again because i know we have mcu fans watching this and listening to this um it just the teaser felt like Taika Waititi trying to trying trying hard to be like James Gunn. That's what I thought of it. Okay. Like in in one sentence. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's that's a totally fair assessment. You have every right in the world to feel that way. And and uh, Taika Waititi is is a very particular filmmaker. I think his Thor universe is interesting in that it is the one of the only pockets of actual cartoon silliness that you have in the mcu even over even over something like ant-man um which was very cartoonish you know in the fact that the guy grows big and small and stuff just based on that but um he's he's carved out 
a very particular corner of, of this of this world for himself. And it is what it is. It's going to be his vision, uh, which is which is commendable because it's hard to make something in the vacuum of what Marvel Studios is be original in that sense. Uh, but I do understand where you're coming from. He might be trying to lean a little bit more. I mean, James Gunn, he was he's one of the 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 the, the Godfathers of the MCU. Really, the fact that I know he only made Guardians one and two, but the fact that they worked, yeah, is I don't know what crossroads devil he made a deal with. <laughs> he can play guitar now as well. I guarantee it because that those movies by all for, for most. I mean, I know they've got a talking tree and a talking raccoon, him, so that's already points, but. Just in general, they shouldn't have worked, and and yet somehow they managed to. So, but I but that's a fair criticism, yeah. Yeah, and the last one we have a new look, a new trailer for Lightyear, which is the story of Buzz Lightyear. Mm. And my understanding is it's the story of the actual Buzz Lightyear who the toy was based on. Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's exactly how it works, but. Okay. It's weird because the director came out and said that the film that we are going to watch, which is coming out to us in the real world, is the same film that Andy watched and changed his life. Right, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just putting it all together. So the <laughs> film, the Buzz Lightyear film is lives in the universe of Toy Story when Andy is a yes. child. Yes. So that film should technically be set in the 90s. The, well, the Buzz Lightyear film. It should be, correct. Mm. That's also true. Yeah, never thought yeah. about that. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, it might be set in the future. There's heaps of things set in the future, all the past movies. But yeah, yeah it just stands to reason. And it's a film made about the Buzz Lightyear that also exists in that universe. Right. And it's Chris Evans voicing Buzz Lightyear, which I love. What a treasure. But yeah, that, that trailer like got me excited. Like I've never been so excited for a, an animated movie after like, cause it was the Mitchell versus the machines that was supposed to come out in theaters, but then got got on Netflix and there was Onward that was just, everybody hated Onward, but I love it because it's a story about two brothers and I fucking love it. Yeah. I have a brother. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a brother and I, I really dug it too. I, I get that totally. I mean, especially the the giving up the op, the chance to speak to his father for the first time, giving that opportunity to his brother to speak to him again. Um, I was, Disney got me. I was crying like a hungry, angry baby. I'll tell you that much. And it's it's the first time that we're getting uh, a Pixar movie, like first time in a long time that we're getting a Pixar movie in theaters. Because Turning Red went straight to Disney Plus. Um, mm -hmm. It was Ryan, the last dra dragon that went into Disney Plus straight, and Encanto also went drained to uh, straight to Disney Plus. Did so, Encanto go yeah. straight to Disney Plus? Yeah, I think so because they weren't showing in theaters here. Yeah, well, I kept, yeah, maybe not everywhere. I don't think I think it played in in cinemas in Australia. I'm not 100 percent sure though because I don't have children, so it's not really something I pay attention. I didn't even know it was school holidays until two days ago. Um, so yeah, okay, 
Well, I'll be, I'm, I'm interested. Like, I'm, I like Chris Evans. I was watching Sunshine last night, the Danny Boyle film from like 2007 or something. I think that came out. He's, he's like, that's a stacked cast. He's standing up against, you know, some pretty impressive people. Cillian Murphy or Killian Murphy, um, uh, Benedict Wong, uh, Michelle Yeoh. Like, there's just, there's some amazing, amazing people in that film. Is it Michelle Yeoh? Hang on. That's Michelle. She's in Crouching Tiger. I'm going to look really foolish if I've got this wrong. And you know and what? I'll she's keep, in the, I'll keep it in the podcast too because I, 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 I want people to know that I'm not infallible. Yeah, so this is Chris Evans surrounded by Cillian Murphy, Rose Byrne, Cliff Curtis. I love Cliff Curtis. So good. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh, Benedict Wong, Mark Strong, um, Hiroki Sanada, excuse me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. He was recently in, uh, I think... Um, Mortal Kombat. Was it Mortal Kombat, was it? Uh, yeah, and he was in yeah. another one, the... Um, oh, fuck. Army of the Dead as well. He was really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, to stand up in, amongst that cast is, is pretty impressive. So, well done, Chris. Um, cool. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about that film. Uh, shall we get into some, some nerd news headlines? Let's go. Wonderful. Did you want to talk about what The Rock's doing or should I bring that up? You do that. So I'm going to laugh as fuck. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Apparently, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is in talks to star in a sequel to Disney's uh, live action remake of Aladdin. Um, I can't imagine why they're going with him <laughs> as opposed to the original genie yeah weird right it's not a bad move i mean he's he's he, he looks genie-ish um yeah color in blue i reckon it'll work i reckon it'll absolutely yeah work. that's that's the biggest selling point he looks like the boy yeah i just feel bad for the rock because it's like when do you sleep man he gets up at 3 a.m to work out you know parents his children for about 45 minutes eats 900 pancakes and then goes and makes a movie and then goes and sells tequila and then fly. You know what I mean? It's just like, fuck, are you a bat? Like what goes on? It's just, it's crazy, man. I just, but there's a reason he is so, so successful because he never stops working. Um, uh, in, in the next headline, <sighs> Netflix has canceled plans for a bright sequel after the Oscars slap incident to which the world collectively said, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> of course they're going to do that. For those of you who haven't seen Bright, and I'm pretty sure it's all of you, it's basically just alienation, but with fairies and stuff. And it wasn't even that particularly good. However, um, uh, uh, Joel Edgerton's in it and he rules. But yeah, I'm not not super surprised. It didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't intentional that two of those stories were going to have that were going to be like will smith adjacent but it just happened that they they both came out this week and i'm like yep it's yeah either i just it, have no, one question though yeah sure who wanted that sequel i know who the fuck is that for <laughs> obviously the writer probably but yeah i i don't know i think like i said that collectively the world either will say no shit or what's bright <laughs> Yeah, you know, exactly. I just, yeah, I'm I'm just not too sure, but you know, God bless. Ah, oh, 
And uh, this one actually Addy uh, alerted me to, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, uh, the film, the the, yeah. the, the the two films he's making for Netflix have begun filming this week. Um, pretty pretty excited about this. So, do you know what Rebel Moon is about? No, would you want to tell me? Yes, because I people? feel like you'd be interested. Yeah, I would. So, uh, do you know an era where Disney did not own Star Wars? Yeah, I'm nearly 40. I remember that better than you do. <laughs> well, I don't watch Star Wars, so I don't know shit. Yeah, no, I remember, the, I remember the merger when it, when it happened with... Well, not the merger. I remember when George Lucas sold the rights to the to the, the properties, the franchise to Disney, yeah, for a billion dollars yeah. or whatever the fuck it was. No, it was, it was $4 billion. Jesus, how do you even spend $4 billion? Anybody out there who listened to us who has $4 billion, what do you buy? Like, do you buy planets? <laughs> I don't understand. That was the thing, right? Yeah. Because George Lucas thought that the world was going to end in 2012. That's why he sold all his shit. You, is that a joke or is that true? I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> no, I don't know what's true and what's not. Okay. okay. <laughs> sure. Is that just you being a dick? That's good. That's a good joke. Yeah, he was a conspiracy theorist that he sold all his shit. Why would it matter then? Anyway, that's brilliant. Well done, Eddie. Yeah. Well, anyway, coming back to Zack Snyder. Yeah, sure. Please tell me about Rebel Moon. I'm interested. Yeah, so... The reason why I bring up Star Wars is that before Star Wars was under Disney, Zack Snyder has this idea, had this idea of uh, going to, well, he had the script that that showed a more darker and a more mature world than we left in with the prequels and was supposed to be a Star Wars saga or a two film event where everything goes to hell and then you have new characters emerge from that that you can fall in love with and uh, continue the journey. But they already had plans of selling Star Wars to Disney. So they rejected Zack Snyder's approach. So uh, the selling point for Rebel Moon is that it's a Star Wars story without any connection to Star Wars in it. Probably so Netflix, so Netflix was like, fuck yeah, we need that. Next up, with us, us bagsies, bagsies. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take your fucking your faux Star Wars. We'll take your Aldi Star Wars. Do you have Aldis in in Indonesia? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, Thailand, sorry. Uh, yeah. Where are we you have from? Aldis, yeah. <laughs> where Where are you again? Botswana. I don't know. No. Yes. No. You're in Thailand. Do they have Aldi in Thailand? Probably not. Uh, the car. No, it's it's Aldi, A L D I. It's a chain of supermarkets that I think they come from Germany, and it's uh, like <laughs> it's funny. It's it's set out like uh, uh, some sort of relief center after a flood or whatever, and it's just like boxes of stuff everywhere, and they've got like off-brand things that are cheaper than your normal stuff, um, and that's sort of what this Rebel Moon is the Aldi version of Star Wars, and anybody who knows what Aldi is or Lidl. Uh, the little stores in the UK will be pissing themselves laughing right now. Unfortunately, people who live in Indonesia or Thailand, for that matter, aren't laughing. <laughs> I mean, Addy's laughing, but because I'm an idiot, not anything. Um, well, that sounds pretty cool. This is the quick ra- uh, the wrap up of it that I've got on um, IMDb. Uh, the people of a galaxy. 
that's weird. The people of a galaxy sends a young woman. Oh, okay. The people of the galaxy sends a young woman to seek out warriors from other planets to help them uh, from the tyrannical armies that are terrorizing their peaceful colony. There's there's about four commas missing in that sentence. So I don't know who fucking wrote that. But yeah, peaceful colony has been attacked and uh, they go and get some people to uh, to help them. It sounds a little bit like... um. Seven Samurai, but stacked cast: Rupert, Rupert Friend, Charlie Hunnam, Jenna Malone, Corey Stoll, Kerry uh, Elways, Jimon Honsu, and uh, and yeah, and Zach at the helm. So um, bring it the fuck on. Ray Fisher's in it. Yeah, Ray Fisher's in it, and Zach's the DP. Yeah. Oh, awesome! Because because shit, man, Army of Darkness is one of the best shot films of the last good little while i'll tell you that much amazing if you if you want to know how zach shot um army of the dead check out the 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 stitch up youtube page and go to the army of the dead uh episode that i did with hugo and for the first i think five minutes i talk about what how he shot it what he shot it on the lenses he used and how miraculous it is that it looks as good as it does because it's just incredible but yeah he plays a ray fisher plays a character called blood axe blood axe I want that name. <laughs> you want that name? I'm just. I'll call you Blood Axe. Everybody, Fuck this yeah. is my. This is my co-host. We'll do. We'll do the intro again. I'm Riggs. And I'm Blood Axe. And this is the Filmatics podcast. <laughs> we should do that next week and just see who's listening. Um, yeah, cool. I'm ready for Rebel Moon. That looks pretty damn wicked. Um, next up in uh, the news, the the final in the two part of uh the, the the end of the the fast and the furious franchise uh dubbed fast x i'm assuming it's a roman numeral for 10 um has begun filming with both jason momoa and brie larson now in the cast which is uh pretty cool and this is my favorite story of the week hbo max are set to produce an aqualad series for some reason, uh, uh, produced by Charlize Theron. <laughs> I don't know why. Featuring Jackson Hyde from Young Justice and the current Aquaman comic book series. Um, the character is an openly gay teen. He's also the son of Black Manta and an Atlantean. And he fucking rules. Such a good character. I'm very excited for that. And you nearly did a backflip out of your chair then. <laughs> exciting yeah exciting exciting times exciting yeah. times to be a a, a, a comic fan or yeah. just a fan of media in general good good time <clears> to be a nerd and that's what we like to stress in the nerd news and so, that um, was all the well we have like two more oh have you got some because i'm done i didn't realize you had any <laughs> yeah you gotta tell me um, these things before we start recording <laughs> otherwise i look stupider <laughs> i look stupider <laughs> <laughs> stupider than normal go right ahead please i'm excited to hear what your news is so all that was uh fun news of the week but we do have some sad news oh fuck um we started the week with uh, spider-man across the spider-verse part one delayed to 2023 yeah and part two delayed to 24 which is just sad it's a bummer but look i'm you know this isn't Morbius, you know, it's not being put off because there's a pandemic and they need to get it in cinemas or they're retooling because they don't know what they've got. You know, I think it's not about reshoots. I think they just want to make it as best as it possibly can be. And sometimes you need more time. And I totally understand that. 
when you're in Absolutely. editing, editing, editing blows out, you know, it really, really does it. There, there's seldom a, a, a project I work on where that doesn't happen. So it is a bummer. And I know you were very sad. You sent me a, a message via Instagram that was all in capitals <laughs> and had yeah. a bunch of crying <laughs> emojis at the end. I do that sometimes. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to give you a call and be like, are you okay? <laughs> do you want to talk about it? Um, but yeah, so but, I mean that's yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. But hopefully that means that they're gonna be really good. Yeah, and hopefully we all know what the reason is for the delay. What? That that's just uh, that they're bringing Toby and Andrew back again. Hey, look, you know, <laughs> it'd be silly not to. Um Yeah, I mean you've seen what it has and what it did. Yeah, the possibilities. So, definitely. And uh, um you know what a what a great addition that would be because you can't really i doubt you'll get the same characters again i don't think you'll get noir spider-man or um uh, uh you know spider pig or anything I, I reckon they'll probably do different ones they'll bring in different characters this time um but uh but yeah if they brought in toby and andrew i mean yeah i mean they were supposed to be in the first one but sony said it was uh it was a bit too early for that but then they did that like what three years after that three years after yeah now that was yeah. just marvel and disney fighting over the same toys yeah. which is just stupid but hey i i adore that first film i i absolutely adore that first film and um it's just amazing how you know it's spider-man but it's also so much more than that in mm. that film that you you see the legacy of spider-man more than anything there yeah i completely agree it's that that's probably i mean it might not be my favorite actually it probably is actually but and i again i'm not a huge i don't like ranking things much but it's probably the best spider-man film don't you think yeah as i as, can as uh, I, no way home is the stories yeah absolutely um and this leads us to um another headline it says Netflix is slashing. Can you hear me? Yes, I certainly can. Okay. <clears throat> I'm done. Netflix. Quiet because I'm disgruntled about this. <laughs> you can. Yeah, I'm just. I just know what you're about to say, and it's depressing. <laughs> Netflix is slashing. Animation amid subscriber drop. Yes. Which, <clears throat> which means we have uncertainty. We have uh, uncertain futures for projects like Arcane and... Fuck! <laughs> fuck! I say fuck about it. Oh, man. <sighs> that show rules. And just, it's, sorry, I cut uh, you off with my rant. Go, yeah. you go. Um, yeah, so, so Arcane... That and what <clears throat> else? So, well, everything that they have in animation right now... Mm. Um, I know a lot of people don't know this or don't watch Netflix animated stuff. I'm a huge animation fan. And um, what Netflix has done in the animation field has changed how we look at animation in mainstream media as well. Yep. And uh, so right now, for me, it's heartbreaking because we have something like Arcane that season one took six years to make. And there were, and uh, season two is in development as of now uh, but yeah and uh, they have another animated show or anime show called uh, 
the Dragon Prince, which is helmed and created by uh, one of the head writers of Avatar: The Last Airbender, the show. Okay. And and they had a three season where they have one story, and that the the future was uncertain. And in two thousand, in twenty twenty, we had we had uh, uh, the fans went crazy because Netflix announced that they were going not only were they gonna renew the Dragon Prince for season four, but they were gonna renew it until season seven. That meant that they gave all the all the creative decisions to have time, all the creators to have time to uh, do the right things that and do the things that they wanted to. And it's just, it's really upsetting because, I mean, we have uh, loved as robots in that category as well, and we don't oh, know what's we don't know what's on, gonna man. happen with that. It's just very very upsetting. Yeah. And it's, you know, I I don't want to feel too bad for Netflix because I'm pretty sure they're fine. But um, just in terms of, you know, we're going to miss out on great stories, you know, really good. So Death, Love and Robots, we talked about it briefly, I think, last week or possibly the week before. It's last week. Anth- anthology stories are great to begin with, but that just hits hits all my sweet spots. And it's, it's really well made. It's really well um, crafted. Uh, story-wise and they're just it's so interesting and arcane like you said like i wouldn't have even bothered to look at that had you not said something and now it's probably one of the top five greatest animated shows i've ever seen and it's a shame that 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 um you know i know netflix has a lot of competition nowadays particularly with hbo max uh which which has seen an uptake in subscribers in the last year helped i think probably to uh, the fact that they've got a lot of stuff going there that would go to cinemas during a pandemic dune being one of them in fact um and there'll be there was some derision around that we'll talk about that denny of honor or Daniel or whatever his name is had a real problem with that i actually do know how to say it it's denny Villeneuve. i'm just being silly yeah um just in case he's listening <laughs> you know denny he's happy listening to random podcasts um yeah so i think that's kind of it's a very up- uphill battle with strength because Netflix are the progenitor of that. Netflix used to be a service, if I'm not mistaken, in the United States that would send you a motherfucking disc. Yeah. Not even a disc, a VHS. Was it? Uh, <laughs> wow, it's, going it's, going VHS. it's going back. <laughs> so, you know, it was kind of the, the beta test and, and, and proved to be a successful model for home entertainment so much so that there's, hundreds of different streaming services now you know amazon prime video stan uh, uh uh binge we've got here which is in in australia which is like the counterpart to hbo max because we don't get hbo max here um there is the hbo max in the states paramount's got their own network peacock have got their own network there's ones that are specifically dedicated to genres like shutter which is just horror yeah there's just and all of the apps you know for the regular tv channels here sps on demand abc it's the same in the states there's so much content, we're almost drowning in it. So much so that when things do peek through and become genre-defining, like Arcane, they get lost in the waylay of all this other stuff. A lot of it, which is shit, you know, it, it is the definition of of uh, uh, less is more in a lot of cases, yeah. and and people are desperate to find that thing that hooks. And Arcane is definitely one of those things. I, I hope they don't um, 
I hope they recognize that and, and make the smart decision to be like, you know what? We can only do one really big animated show. Let's put everything we can into that and get it done in three years. Absolutely. Yeah. And hey, I, I am fine with waiting, waiting another five or six years for season two of Arkane. I just love those characters so much that I don't, I don't want anything bad to happen to that show, if that makes sense. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to, uh, sorry about the little, the little fart noise. Then no one farted. It was a audio glitch. I don't know if Addy can hear it on his end, but I heard it on mine. Um, have you seen like, the, I mean, the popularity of that show is undeniable. Have you seen the the uh, cosplay and stuff? I have, dude. My whole wall is filled with that. I'm of a course, weird person. yeah. So that's silly. It's out standing it makes me as a creative person feel uncreative i feel like a fucking accountant when i look at some of the people who not that there's not not that accountants can't be creative but just accountancy doesn't sound very creative it's mostly about math and numbers and finality you know but these people are out there just they're living their best lives and goddamn, yeah. i love it god bless them and um yeah so I hope you enjoyed the nerd news, everybody. That's it. That's it for the day. Thanks for depressing us at the end there, Addy. Jesus. Well, I was starting we out with some nice... Thing, we did one thing that you sent me, which leads us into doing. Okay, you go. Um, so you sent me this. Uh, Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Neuve, 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 His name's not Neuve, 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 Neuve. That's just one thing repeated three times, man. I know. <laughs> it's like Butros, Butros, Butros Gali. Um, sorry, go ahead. You were saying, I sent you something. What did I send you? Yeah, um, you sent this headline saying, Danny Villeneuve will direct the first or the, or the pilot for the Dune prequel series called Sisterhood of Dune. Yeah. About the Benny Jesuit, I think it is. The, um... the Benny Jesuit. Yeah. Is it not Jesuit? See, this is going to happen the whole show. I'm going to start saying things right. Like, and, and the, 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 the warriors that um, Duncan Idaho fights are the Sardaukars. My God, yeah. Maybe. Did I get it right? Yes. Nerd point for Riggs. Nerd point for Riggs. Yay. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go straight into that then. Uh, that's, that's pretty baller. That's a HBO Max thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, cool. It All has right. to be HBO Max. I don't think they're going to go anywhere else. Yeah, I, that's probably a stupid question. Then <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that out. No, I'm all about transparency. You know that, people. All about transparency and pineapple. Um, listen to our question and answers episode for the pineapple. Yes, chat. love pineapple. Um, well, yeah, let's get into it. Dune, um, very famous uh, a text um, uh, written by Addy. Help me out. Uh, Frank Herbert. Frank Herbert, thank you so much. Sorry, I had it up. I, I knew it was Herbert, but I didn't know his first name. Well, I was going to say Bronson or something. Uh, Frank Herbert, um, you know, I mean, this is, if you watch this movie, I think somebody uh, back in the day, uh, you know, when it was just a book series, may have had a pretty good class action lawsuit against George Lucas there's some, oh, yeah. there is Star Wars stuff all up and down. This it's simple as, you know, let's talk about uh, the Benny Jesuit, uh, 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 Jesuit yourself. That's the force. Uh, you know, that's, um, uh, what do they do? Oh, the Jedi is, mind is, trick. Is the, is the voice the force? Isn't that the thing? Yeah. Well, you it's... use the voice. 
Yeah, you use the voice, and and, and you know, you, it's a, it's a, a pitch that you get, and a guttural sound that can you know cloud people's minds and make them do what you want. That's the Jedi mind trick. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on there, and I'm sure people are shouting at us in the comments about Star Wars did this first and that first, and yeah, okay, that's cool. But there's definitely some DNA impressed. there, and it's not just about science fiction. It's about you know George George Lucas it's, read it's the Dune yeah. series. Um, he did. He did. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so anyone who's shouting in the comments, no, Dune came first, it did everything first. Yeah, it absolutely did. It's in, in the science fiction genre, it was Dune that, that had, it was Dune that had this world where you could go and live in, and you could actually feel it when you, when you read the book. Mm. So, yeah. And it's also... Uh... <clears throat> it is a very contained story in the same way that star wars is star wars is set in a universe that's very large but we only see a few little planets dune we see very few planets at all we're mostly on arrakis the entire time um which is cool but it's you know there's there's definitely some uh uh like specifics around the story that can't be ignored um but you know if you look at the 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 1984 version directed by David Lynch, David which Lynch. I actually really like. Uh, it's fucking bananas. <laughs> it's it's batshit crazy. And it tries to cram all of this first book. See, Denis Villeneuve, Denis Villeneuve. No, Denis Villeneuve had, had the, the smarts enough to know, and as a fan of the, the mm -hmm. text, to be like, this is not two films. It is, it is, uh, this is not one film, sorry. This is two films and we need to, figure out the best way to do that so much so that he he had the creative stones the story balls to say this is going to end like it's a part one and i don't even know if i'm going to get to do part two yet like can you imagine having the 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 the, the, the story balls it takes my world that we live in that dude like people say that the mess uh old school Hollywood, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> Probably so, not. No. So there was a there was a small indie Kiwi filmmaker in the late 90s that had this fucking crazy idea of of taking literature by J.R.R. Tolkien and making it into two movies called The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. That small indie Q filmmaker is now Peter Jackson. And he's made three Lord of the Rings films. Well, technically he's made six. We're talking about Lord of the Rings. We're I'm not, about, I'm not going into them, the Hobbit. Don't talk about them Hobbits? Yeah, fucking nobody talks yeah. about them Hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Hobbits are fine, but yeah. If, if, we, ever, if we ever do an episode on that, though, we'll get into that. I think at some point we'll have to do one on on the 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 OG L um, LOTR like the three pictures because um, I rewatched them last year and um, yeah I, I saw that you were wearing the t shirt yeah son um, and they rule they're pretty yeah. great they're just I I'd never picked I never I'm sorry I know we're off track at doing again but whatever we go all over the place there's no narrative at all um, they're war movies. They are, they absolutely are. And yeah. he, he wrote them in the trenches. 
I'd never, yeah, exactly. And I didn't, I haven't seen that Tolkien picture with, with um, uh, uh, you know, Beast playing <laughs> J.R. Tolkien. Oh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that if you're a fan of the books, you, you like. Yep. If you're a fan of the movies, they really should make a Peter Jackson movie. Like, he, he's, he's earned that, at least that film. Well, I mean, it's, they're making one, they're making, well, one's about to come out a series about the making of The Godfather. And there's another one as well where um, Oscar Isaacs is playing Francis Ford Coppola and Jay, Jay Gyllenhaal is playing, um, uh, is it Evan Pitt? No. Um, the, whoever the producer on on The Godfather was and about their kind of struggle to get that film made. So, you know, there's no, not out of the realm of possibility in 10 or 15 yeah. years, someone will be like, hey, let's do a story about how hard it was for Peter Jackson to get those movies made. Because I don't know if you've watched the behind the scenes stuff from those films, but he looks exhausted a lot of the time. No, here's the thing. He looks exhausted in the, he looks in, <laughs> I'm getting excited, sorry. That's okay, do please. Uh, he looks exhausted in the behind the scenes of uh, The Hobbit. It's mm-hmm. where he has the long hair and just drenched eyes and all over. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a book called uh, Everything You Can Imagine, The Making of Middle Earth. Uh, it's an, a fantastic book and I've read it. It's about Peter Jackson's journey uh, into making these films. And it just goes to show how big of a risk it was. And he always had a plan of two movies because he knew nobody was going to like, it was, it was such a boring move. And then they go to like different production houses and it was, I hate to say this, but it was Harvey Weinstein who saved or made this project happen because it was, it was him who was like, no, we're going to do three movies and this is how we're going to do. And Peter Jackson's going to, going to do what he wants. And Mm. I just hate when people do a lot of, bad things that just take down what the whole project means. Cause yeah, well, I mean, I don't think everybody knows that Harvey Weinstein is a monster and, and it's been talked to death. So we won't, we won't talk about it, but yeah. we're, we're well aware of that fact. Doesn't change the fact that Peter's action was able to make his pictures because that guy was a shrewd businessman and a, and a, a fucking hardcore producer. He was all care. All he cared about was money, but and I'm sure he made plenty. But um, you know, Peter Jackson was able to achieve what he needed to achieve. So yeah, and those uh, those first three Lord of the Rings films are called the the most expensive low budget films Hollywood has ever done. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's such a weird... Fuck, we're miles away from Dune, but that's okay. It, it's such a huge risk. I mean, the guy was. He came off the back of, you know, making f- funny exploitation horror pictures in New Zealand. <clears throat> then made a film called Heavenly Creatures with um, Kate Winslet, which is really good, um, and which is based on a true story. And then, you know, made The Frighteners, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So good. I got the Blu-ray like two years ago. Oh, so beautiful. And, uh, and then he's just like, hey, I want to do this thing. And, and somehow worked really, really hard to get it to a place where he could actually do that. And then he could write his own ticket after that. And we live in a world that, that happened in the late 90s. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I watched Dune, do you pronounce it Dune or Dune? How do you pronounce it? Dune. Okay. 
Sure. It doesn't matter. When though, I like watch... It's all going to come out. What a Dune, Dune, whatever. Denny Veneuf. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. Um, yeah, so you were saying, so when you saw that for the first time, yeah. you, you had, it gave you LOTR vibes? Oh, no, never. No, <laughs> nothing ever gives me that. Yes. And, and I love I love that. But um, when I watched uh, Dune Part 1, there was no certainty of Part 2. Mm. It's so weird that we live in a world where Denis Villeneuve as a director has given us so many masterpieces year after year. And they had no plans of continuing his work until they knew that was going to make money. Which, is, yeah, I get, I get that. But also, Jesus Christ, you look at that film. Like, how on earth do you decide not to give that a sequel? Yeah, well, I mean, that's. I think he probably knew. I think he was like, you know what, I've, I've, I've got this shit on lock. But the thing that stepped him up, and let's just say as well, um, Denny Villeneuve is 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 probably one of the greatest filmmakers currently working. Um, uh, he is just a remarkable storyteller um and you you only have to look at his his credentials his english language credentials uh, as as proof of that um starting with uh, prisoners in 2013 uh, enemy was actually a really good film too sicario arrival blade runner 2049 which people kind of lament because i mean it was never going to be what people wanted to be but that movie is fucking great um and then and then dune like he is tested um and it's a shame that the, the the corporate nature of the way that movies are sold and then also the the pandemic and and how how home the home cinema experience became what it was that they released it you know on streaming services day and date with cinema and he was perturbed because he didn't make it for the cinema and i know that for a fact because i watched it at my place last night uh sorry two nights ago i have a huge tv and a really baller sound system because it's my industry and it didn't even come close to the cinema experience. And you said it to me, actually, you said you, you believed it would be, it would have made a billion dollars if it had gone just to cinema. Yes. Yes. In, in a, in a different world, in the multiverse that we live in, Mm. there's a universe where Dune released and there was no pandemic, which, you know, we, we could, we could use some of that world right now. Yeah. No pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a world that had just Dune playing in IMAX for like six months straight and it would have made a billion. I'm pretty sure. I, I can't imagine why it wouldn't have. And I think it, people kind of have a, a weird relationship with this film that they they either don't understand it because it's, it's dense. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of kind of uh, politics and palace intrigue, and you got the Benny Jesuit, and then uh, uh, you know the, the training, the one basically, you know, he's he, the the uh, Timothy Shamalai character is, you know, is that how you pronounce it? Is it Shamalamalam? Shamalamalai, Shamalu. He's you know Timothy Chimpanzee. He is an amazing young actor, but he's you know he's being trained, and then while that's going on, you've also got you know, the, 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 the Harkonnens coming in, like, we're not going to go through what the story is. Cause if you, if you listen to this, you've seen the fucking picture. So you've got that going on, you know, they've had their rights to, to, to the spice mining taken away by the emperor who you never see the em- unseen emperor 
It's been given to House Atreides. They've come down. They've, they're all very beautiful. <laughs> I mean, come on. Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaacs, uh, 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 Jason Momoa, and Josh fucking Brolin. Are you kidding me? That's like, that's, that's a sex party. That's just... Oh my God, what a bunch of beautiful people. You know, you've got these people coming down and and, it, and it, it, he says it, uh, uh, Oscar Isaac's character, is it Leto? Yeah, uh, Leto or Leto. Yeah, Leto Atreides. I'm not sure if it's a T. I pronounce it Leto. Yeah, I, it's I a D. Too. It's a D, is it Leto? Leto. He, he comes down and he's like, they they have the, the, the scene where they go after the... the um, the spice harvester and the the sandworm coming. The how do you pronounce the sandworm's name? Oh, I know this. I it's know their, this. It's their god. It's like it's Shai Halud. Shai Halud comes along to have a snack, a little Shai Halud midnight, and uh, comes to eat this thing. And and you know they when they get back from rescuing these people, and it's sort of where Paul Atreides starts to kind of feel that his dreams might be reality also when they get back he says to to uh, one of the people who one of the fremen who who helped them get suited up he's like we were we were positioned to fail in this yeah. so he's basically dealing with that shit um and all the while this story about a, a prophet is you know coming a jesus like messiah character like where she's strapping him into the fremen suit and she's like why did you do your boots like that and he said it seemed like the way to do it and then in her language she says and he will know your ways as if born to them and i was like fucking yeah yeah dude oh man it got oh. me it really got me i enjoyed it in the cinema but i must tell you Oh God, I don't know if I should say this on, on mic, but I'm going to anyway. I was a little bit distracted for the first half of this picture because there were two teenagers behind me in the cinema giving, yeah, okay. up, giving up some okay. business. You know, there was some stuff going on there that was distracting to say the least. And they weren't just making out, ladies and gentlemen, and, and uh, all friends of all sorts. They were getting busy. They were doing, they were on third base at least. <laughs> and I, I, I had to turn around and go, guys, I'm sorry. I can fucking hear everything that's going on. Just like, like just, it was, it was, it was bad. It was bad, man. <laughs> oh no, I've broken Eddie. I'm sorry, mate. But it, I, you know, it makes it hard to watch Dune. <laughs> When people are behind you, you know, committing things that are, you know, normally illegal in public. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry. But yeah, I just, I felt like I appreciated it more last night. <laughs> when there wasn't gratuitous sex acts going on behind me. You know, and God bless them. But, uh, but yeah, I just kind of, I felt Paul's story more. I, I, I. I don't really relate to him. I, I normally, if anyone, I relate to fucking um, uh, uh, Gurney, um, the the Josh Brolin character. That bit where he's like, "You've never seen Harkonnens. They're brutal." Like he just oh, he, the guttural brutal in his voice, man, is just whew, Josh, man. He gets me. But I kind of relate to him being the kind of the ravaged from from this war and all about protecting his people. Um, um. But yeah, I, I definitely, uh, uh, I, I felt 
Paul's journey more this time round? Awesome. Um, yeah. Sorry about that story, but it's in there now. That's a, a, And, yeah. you know, if those people are listening, I hope you had a really good time. It was a weird pick. It was a weird movie. Like, I, Dune's a really good film and there's some great people in it, but that's a challenging wank. Like, there's not, there's not a lot of real sexy stuff going on in that thing, unless you're into sand, which I guess, you know, some people might be, but it was, um, it was a weird pick to, to get busy with. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> in terms of the story and stuff, you know, like, like I said, we're not going to go through it all. Where, where do you kind of find your sweet spots, Addy? Cause I, I know what I like, enjoy character moments and stuff. Like who are you following in your head when you watch that film? Bagpipes. Say one more time. Bagpipes. Bag. Fuck you and your bagpipes, Addy. Come on, mate. They're off tune. No. Everybody with bagpipes. Um. So, yeah, I just want to give a bit of background. Do you have a previous for the, uh, with the book as well? No, I've never, never read the book. Uh, I only saw the David Lynch film, and I, I it was last year. I watched that for the first time. So I, yeah, no previous at all. What about you? So um. Yeah, I've been a very big Danny Villeneuve fan because I, I watched Prisoners and I was like, holy shit. Right. Right, that ending as well. But, um, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, you just reminded me. I'm going to have to re-watch Prisoners. Uh, but, yeah, um, I heard that he was he was doing... Well, it's a very interesting thing thing as, as conception because you hear headlines of... Danny Villeneuve is going to direct a book that he fell in love with and has never let go of that love for the book. And uh, so in, in sci-fi literature, there, there are two books that, that kind of started it all, which was, uh, it was John Garner and the Princess of Mars and Dune by Frank Herbert. And on John Carter and the Princess of Mars is like a, a century old book right now like it's more than 100 years old mm. uh, which has another adaptation to film which is we'll, we'll not talk about that but um yeah and <laughs> you not like it or we talked about this I, before yeah i love it but it's not the place it's not yeah, the place yeah, for that like, right now. we'll talk about it another time i think that's <clears throat> a good movie too but yeah uh, and yeah and so dune was the first time that people reading books could actually understand or like not understand but like kind of get the feel of what the world was like the like for the first time it was something set in space and with this politics in place and all that and uh, when you when you take that and you put it into film it's like oh shit it's star wars oh shit it's like something like the lord of the rings when star wars but it's it's the one that did it first and you see and you see that transformation and I, I know a lot of people have a lot of people have problem with this film's non-existent third act, uh, third act, which is a very weird criticism to go into. I don't think that's true at all, but I, I understand what you're saying that people have a problem with that. Yeah, but like even Christopher Nolan came on and said that oh, they were on the director's roundtable or something. Where he met Danny Villeneuve, and it was right, right after he got, uh, he got the news that he could direct Dune. And uh, Christopher Nolan said that he saw the excitement, 
uh, in his eyes and it's it's a, it's a filmmaker trying to make uh, trying his best to make the to remake or to show to show his appreciation for for a story that he fell in love with him and I'm all for that because it's all about inspiration man and once you once you get that it's just you're on a whole another level and it's a, it is a very dense film I I started reading because I, I I wanted to get ahead of the source material I started reading like the first twenty pages of the book. And I was like, this is amazing, but I'm going to stop because I want to watch it on film. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's, fair. that's fair. And yeah, and everything I knew about about the source material and everything was thrown out into like the first five minutes. I had no idea what the fuck was going to go on. Yeah. And I, and I love it for that reason because you're in this world where you're like, is it going to get a sequel? They don't know yet, but is Paul going to die at the end? Because the whole movie, he's probably going to die, right? <laughs> that's the vision that you get. They're leaning that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry for that tangent. I, I had no, I had no intention of going to. His hey, man, I was talking about people getting fingered before. Like, it's totally fine. Um, Look, let's just let's not put a veil on it. There's a there's a there's a warning at the beginning of this podcast. We talk about our theme sometimes, and you know it's not a bad thing. It's people enjoying each other. It's 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 totally fine. But um, yeah, tangent all you want is my point. Uh, I think you, like you, what you said, you know, there's something that he was in love with. It is a love letter to the the, the material so much so that he he allows it to have the time. I mean, he, the first act of that is very slow and very meditative. The most action you get is him training with Gurney um, or Garney. Is it Gurney or Garney? Gurney. 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 And, and it, with the shit shields. We were talking about this last night when I messaged oh, yeah. you about it. What's going on with these shields? They're crap. They are crap. They'd be better off wearing glad wrap. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen out there who don't know what glad wrap is, I believe in the States it's called cling wrap. Um, it's just this this plastic stuff on a roll that you pull out and stretch over the top of food. Okay. I, I call that a plastic sheet. You just call it a plastic sheet? That's yeah. boring. I call it a food condom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> your face was great oh that was worth it that was worth every second yeah so what ex explain to me your because you you were going to say I, I have an idea or a theory around why the shields aren't 100 percent effective because i mean there's a point where um uh, uh, uh duncan idaho baller name by the way um jason momoa who should just be in all movies is taking out these dudes like he's he's got this one sword and then he sees how many guys there are and he pulls out a second one and you're like yeah mamawa and he takes out these dudes in a hallway and stuff and he's just cutting through these you know he's obviously trained to when he gets to the hit go slow pulling and then going slow yeah yeah we did the same thing yeah I don't, that's we, we just did the actions ladies and gentlemen it was pretty cool <laughs> ladies and gentlemen god damn it i will get this out of me by the hey, time we get to episode it's 100 fine. It's fine. Right? Everybody it's knows fine. what I mean. Um, yeah. So, uh, you, what is your, what is your theory behind why they're so ineffective in in close quarters? Well, the thing is, the shields, as far as I can understand, were created so that you don't get shot at by a bullet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because because if a bullet comes to you wearing that shield, it'll just fall off. Ah, uh, so it's more for like long range kind of weaponry, right? So, 
that's why they don't have guns there. In in the whole universe, there are no guns because they'd be useless. But uh, yeah, so uh, the fight that you're talking about is the betrayal that happens, correct? Yeah, at, at, at night. The, yeah. the the doctor um, kills Doctor Yue. Doctor Yue, yeah, kills um, uh, 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 Lido and um, gives him the. Does he not? No, he just paralyzes him and he fixes him with well, tooth. That's says, bad enough. <laughs> it's not. And he gives him. Duke Lido kills himself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the yeah. Uh, and and uh, when he when he tries to kill the the Baron, which we'll get to in a second, but yeah. So UA paralyzes him and goes here. Here's this tooth. Um. So yeah, that's the betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in the betrayal scene, the shields are down. So. If you if you see, if you see that scene with the context that the shields are down, because you don't really understand un, until they say it after the betrayal that the shields were down. When you see that scene and you see the when you see the when you say the ships blow up, yeah. the shield is there. It's just there, right? So what happens is they drop it and it goes slow until it pierces the shield and then it blasts. And when it blasts, it implodes. It implodes because there's a shield there and then it explodes because the shields are down. So they can't do anything there. Okay, I get it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, we're here with science. <laughs> science by Addy. Scientist Addy. Um, yeah, okay, cool. Well, that's, you know, that's a little bit better at explanation. I still think they're not very good. Oh, well, yeah, they're not. They're a little bit better uh, than cling wrap, but... Yeah, everyone there is just lazy because all you can, like, all you can do is you wear a proper fucking armor and then put a shield on. So even if it cuts through the shield, it can't cut through your armor because everyone's just fucking lazy there, I guess. Yeah, I get well. You get used to it, don't you? You get you get lulled into a exactly. false security. My funny glowy shield thing. But that's the other thing as well. They they indicate the loss of a fight without blood, which is interesting. Kind of gives you a little bit more latitude with the violence you're working with. Um, yeah, but it's also <clears throat> excuse me going to that that particular fight where that you know that happens and then the sky opens up and there's fucking harkonnens everywhere and they're brutal and uh <laughs> and and it's it's all hell breaks loose basically up until that point the only real big beat of action like i said is where um uh, uh, paul is training with with gurney and then the the sandworm attack yeah, and then after that, true. the movie's on its heels. The entire rest of the shit, like it is go go go. Um, and I know there was some criticism around um, the Fremen not being featured much. Zendaya has very little screen time. So does um, uh, uh, Javier Bardem. But they, what they have to do in this is it's exponentially amazing. Yeah, yeah, and it re you need it so much because otherwise you need to understand who the Fremen are and that, that first meeting where they're spitting on the table and he says, we want you we want you out of our places. This is a holy place to us, <clears throat> you know, so much so that you you understand that the, the um, sorry, what's um, Shai Halud is the... the Shai Halud. Yeah, is a the god Denver. to them. And then yeah. at the end of the film, like, how can you say that movie is anticlimactic when it ends with a motherfucker riding the sandworm? Like, oh, God, I'm ready. Dude. I'm ready for part two, man. Um, I'm so excited. But I think that the Fremen are such an interesting 
group of characters. And I was talking to a friend about this the other day and saying how this movie talks about things and talked about in the book as well that are still currently issues. We're talking about, um, you know, the the, the uh, sl- slaughter of an indigenous race. We're talking about um, s- sovereign states invading others for their their minerals and their rights you could have spice just as easily be oil everybody um you know you've got these warring factions you've got betrayals uh you've got all this stuff going on meanwhile a, a group of indigenous people are just fighting for what they have left these these problems these battles continue to go on throughout human history and still permeate in within current cultures and and you know we're recording this on the 25th of april 2002 there's plenty of that shit going on right now 22 22 you went 20 years back what did i do did i say 2020 did i say 2002 did i it's okay wait hang on it's 2022 in april but my point is sorry did you get frightened that we'd gone back in time i was like i wasn't born yet dude you weren't born in 2002 holy shit wow that's okay well i am a senior citizen but anyway i'm just saying there's the themes that it's dealing with on on an emotional level are very poignant uh you know sense of self finding your own strength and then using that to hopefully do good um divorcing yourself from the past and from from your parents' ideals of, of who you are, even though you know uh, um, Princess, uh, sorry, Queen Rebecca, or she's actually not a queen; she's a concubine, isn't she? Yeah, she's a she's a witch. Yeah, she's a witch. Yeah, so she's one of the Benny Jesuit and and she Lady Jessica and her son Paul. Like they give her shit. They're like, you were supposed to have a daughter so that she could be one of our group. He's now got to learn how to do this. Um, you know, you see him being being tested. That amazing scene where he's got his hand in the box. He just stares that woman down. It's, it's such a, so much power for such a young man that Timothy Chalamet. He's he's quite an incredible actor. But then that becomes, you know, his story is about moving away from what both his mother, his father, the the the. Uh, uh, uh. Benny the Benny Jesuit and and the 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 government the people believe that he should be even Duncan Idaho is like oh you know you fucking my lord duke yeah you don't need to learn how to fight like it's totally cool whatever and then you see him have the vision of himself just taking out all those homies uh within the in the armor um yeah yeah it's about self actualization it's about discovering within you what is most important and then using your strength to, to actualize just in terms of personal themes, character themes. And then the bigger theme is what we were talking about. The, the, the worldliness of it is, is incredibly poignant. Sorry. I feel like yeah. I ranted then for a second. No, you did not. <laughs> but yeah, that's absolutely right. And so it's weird how a world so far from reality can can be so such a huge reflection of our reality mm. where where uh, the foreman I, I forget the name is the foreman that's on 
the judge firmin or someone who's who's with the who's with house of treaties at all times who goes and she says that um, everyone on, on arakis which is doing hates the hated the sand or at least the firmin when they were in all of the population hated the sand so there were experiments by scientists firmin to by just a miracle make all of the sand on the planet water and as soon as they discovered spice they said fuck all this we'll get high and it's <laughs> not a bad move <laughs> it sucks here let's get high there's sand everywhere it's in all my cracks i can't get it out once it's in there you can't get it out <laughs> you can if you shower but again you shower on dune you have to rub your ass with sand in what yeah what are you showering in you can't just spit that's not how it works i feel bad for those palm trees that's an interesting thing oh, as well, God. like the palm trees, the sacred palm trees. And then after the, the fight, they get cut to a shot of them burning. And you're like, oh, okay, I, I can see. This is about, this is a holy war also. This is a war against ideas. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting you say that. So holy war, because the score that plays there, which I, we have to get to Hans Zimmer with that score, but the score Hans that gets- Zimmer! I love him so much. Sorry. The, the score that plays in that whole betrayal scene is uh, that score is called the, the Holy War. So oh, it's, really? It's, okay. Yeah, it's it's very much and uh, and the the shot of the trees burning is a is a shot that we see in uh, in the Gom in the Gom Jabbar scene where he's about to give up and uh, he hears the voice and he has the visions. And that's when he looks towards her and that's when he has the vision of the palm trees burning, but he doesn't know what the palm trees are yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's just quickly get to to Hans then, because that that what you're saying there leads me to a good point. When I first heard part of the score, when they released, I guess the single, I don't know, um, a version, and it's got the vocalizations in it, I was like, "What the fuck is this? How is this going to work?" And then when you see it with the visual, you're like, "Oh, of course." And a lot of it's soundscape stuff too. It's noise, you know, like the the um, the dragonfly copter things. You know, when they enter the frame, what are they called? Yeah. On, on a copter or on a copters? Hornycopters. What? <laughs> hornycopters? No. That's um, two kids in the cinema with hornycopters. Um, <laughs> or, or no copters or no copters. Okay. Yeah. Oh, ornic. Okay, right. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So yeah. when they enter the frame, you you hear the the sort of the beating the brrr of the of the wings, I guess. Um, but then it's also accompanied with like a huge bass stab that is that is Hans's score, which isn't. A, I mean, it's a musical note, but it's not a note that then is progressive in in in, in the sense that no, it it's it's there. Yeah, it's, it's just, just dead. Yeah, yeah, and that's really interesting because then it becomes more soundscape than it is score. Um, and the guy's just a master. He just he just understands sonics in a way that, and I'll never forget the um, the video that came out of him working with like the twelve best drummers in the world to in, do the Man of Steel score. Yes, that that scene where he's in that, that scene where he's in the he's in the Midland and the twelve drummers just da, 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 da. exactly yeah, and it's like, yes, it's like people like that. um Pharrell and Danny Carey from Tool and um uh who's the other one Sheila E like Prince's drummer just. 
the top level drummers of all time. And he's sitting there and he's talking to him in his wonderful accent. I won't do it, but, and he's saying, you know, we're all going to work on the same licks. We're all going to work on the same grooves. And then as we get into it, little personalities will start popping in and things will start changing and whatever. And if you listen to that score, like regardless of what you think of the, you know, Man of Steel, that score is outstanding. We've talked about it before, but um, yeah, he is supremely talented. I'm so glad that, I mean, I know he won best score for the Lion King back in 94 or 95, what it was, but. That's the only one he won. And the next one he won was for Dune. Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, there's so many, I mean, the Dark Knight trilogy scored, particularly Batman Begins, it goes from being this searching theme, the journey theme of that, the strings, that ends up becoming the hero theme at the in the middle of, it's a four act structure. So it's sort of the middle of the third act um, when Bruce goes into the cave and all the bats surround him and he's suddenly not afraid. That journey theme becomes the hero theme that then, is prevalent through the rest of the film. Little things like that. He understands storytelling through music in a way that I don't think a lot of other composers do. I think they're concerned with how to accentuate moments as opposed to tell the story sonically. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, just if you, if you just need like a selling point of the film, it's, it's, it's Hans Zimmer getting an Oscar and his second ever Oscar for this film. Like, if you still haven't watched it, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> what are you listening to us for? Can we talk? We're not talking about it a lot either. Um, yeah, not at all. No, we've talked about a lot of other really weird things. But yeah, he's he's definitely got a, a you know a, a grasp on the material as well, the, the the science fiction nature of it. But it does feel you know big and 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 uh, ethereal in terms of its legend. Um, you know the slain king and 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 the son that seeks revenge. It's it's, and then when you get into like the 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 actual death of of Leto, where we're introduced to, well, I mean we already have been introduced to him, Baron Harkonnen, um, played wonderfully by um, Stellan Skarsgård, in just amazing makeup. You know, um, and this is this is to me. I sent it to you, and you were like, I just ate this man. Baron Harkonnen looks like what the mascot for Kentucky Fried Chicken should actually look like, as opposed to the guy with the cotton chin, you know, the little, that dude. And you were like, man, I've just had that. Well, don't. It's disgusting food. But, um, yeah, it's such a, a gross and 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 poisonous character. And then when he nearly gets killed and then ends up, you know, going to the healing tank and stuff, he kind of... I'll be interested to see how they're going to play him into whatever's yeah. next. Um, well, it's I ambiguous at the moment. Absolutely. Well, I know why he is the way he is, uh, because I've done research on the it's book. Chicken McNuggets. But, uh, is what the problem is. Oh yeah, it's it's chicken McNuggets and chicken McSpicy. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> chicken McSpice. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it's a that's the problem. Is it too much spice? Um. But yeah. Uh. I think there was a I think there was an interview where he said that he wants more nudity for Baron Harkonnen in the second one. I'm all for it, man. Just give me all of it. Hey, look, I think Stellan Skarsgård just likes being nude, and God bless him. You know that's totally fine. Oh, well, it's it's not really his body, though, is it? It's it'd be, it's, it'd it's be, a baby suit. It'd be a baby. Yeah, it'd be a huge <laughs> baby suit. Yeah, yeah. He'd look like you know the baby from um or the baby man from. 
player with a chance of meatballs. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting the 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 way that character is is portrayed. He's not even really the the, the larger villain. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's a it's a film that has no villain. It's a it's a it's a coming of age story. It's oh, it's a it's a, it's about it's about finding yourself in the most it's about it's not about looking for yourself but it's finding yourself in the most uh, stressful and the most hard times where where the whole world literally is falling apart right in front of you and your whole world half of it is dead and it's it's beautiful where where, where Paul's journey at least for me is him deciding that he is not going to be what his mom wants or what his dad wants or what the Bene Gesner want. He wants to be what, he doesn't even know what he wants to be when we start the film. But at, at least when he says at the end, I love it, when he says my road leads into the desert, where, we, where he has some kind of, uh, he has some kind of actualization or just some kind of confidence that I, I don't give a fuck what I was, what I was meant to be. And uh, this is what I know. This is what my dad taught me. This is what this is what I believe in. And this is why we came to Iraq is for uh, desert power. And I'll do everything in my power to just be that. And while choosing to not be what he was supposed to be, he's he's embracing his his call to adventure or call to destiny, as you said. Yeah, and not um, not and brooking no opposition either of like no this is this is I like you said my my way leads in the desert. He gets a new name too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, like uh, uh, you know, I hope that's not too much of a spoiler for the next one, but um, he's uh, like when it, because he basically becomes a fremen really. Um, yeah, he does amazing scene again. Yeah. But it reminds me of, I remember when I saw it the first time and I thought of um, the um, the William Ernest Henley uh, poem Invictus and the last lines of that, which are, um, it matters uh, not how stirred the gate, no, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the cap, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That is, is sort of where he's at at the end of it. Um, he doesn't know what's ahead of him, but whatever it is, is, is it's his journey. And that's, and that's the decision that he's made, which is a great thing yeah, for a young person in a film to do, even just for other young people to look at and go, oh, okay, no, maybe I do know best what's best for me without having to follow some strange, you know, cycle of do's and don'ts that our parents instill in us all the time. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's one of the most uh, like, it's it's that line, and then it leads up to what Zendaya's character Chani says at the end, where um, this is only the beginning. It's it's a it's a note for the story, but it's also a note for you. Like you know, if this happens, you get ready because this is only the beginning, and so we're gonna go crazy places from here. But it's also it hits you on a personal note where you're well. If this is the beginning, then I'm a, I'm a changed person than I was two two and a half hours ago. Yeah, and it's 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 amazing that a film can do that. And despite the fact is that it is power. quite slow and meditative, I I don't feel the time. 
you just said it's two and a half hours. I don't. It's like two hours and thirty seven minutes or something like that. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't feel that at all. Yeah. Um, I'm just. You get. You get. You get soaked in it immediately as soon as Zendaya's voiceover starts and starts explaining Spice and just giving you a bit of an overview. Um, and the other thing as well, <laughs> you said it before. Spice is a is a drug, right? What it is. Are you asking what Spice is or what it does? What it or does. How, how the Fremen use it. The the Fremen, it's, it's just in the air. So the Fremen are like high all the fucking time. Is that what's up? Uh, yeah. So they, they do believe that Spice uh, helps them to connect to God. That's why it's a, that's why, you know, where there were uh, the palm trees, there, there's a monastery there where, the, where they're all praying. Right. Okay. And it's, it's something that I think... I'm not very sure because again, I've not read any of the books, but I think what they were trying to show was that it's something that they that they take to find a connection towards their savior of sorts. Right, which ends up being Paul. Well, we don't know yet, but yeah. well, when I mean, he comes, that's he, what it, they're alluding yeah. to. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. But just, I'm, I'm just a little confused in that so it's like Rastafarians who, who, who part of their religion is, is, is using marijuana. Is that kind of what it's like? I, I, I don't know what you're referring to, but in, oh. in the, in this, in this, yeah, sorry. But in no, the sense okay. of the, in the sense of the universe, uh, spice is, uh, is like a God element because it makes, it makes, uh, interstellar travel possible, makes so many other things like, it's like fuel in our world basically but it can but, be used as a drug as well yes okay i guarantee you you go up to any hardcore drug user and tell them that whatever drug it is that they're using at that particular time can also facilitate facilitate interstellar travel you'll blow their fucking yes. head off <laughs> <laughs> really so all this time we could have been on moon yeah, you know, I've been I've been sitting here getting high the whole time. I could have been in Jupiter. What the fuck? <laughs> could have been on Jupiter's moons. God damn it! So in terms of part two, uh, we de we definitely know we're getting it now, which is awesome. They kind of announced it pretty quick after. Um, and why wouldn't you? Uh, also, we have to uh, uh, also mention that this just swept the technical Oscars. This oh, picture yeah. as well. Um, um, it was it wasn't. Yeah, it won all of the te technical ones, and it was, it was, shit, forgot the name. It was nominated for seven Oscars, and it won six. Yeah, it won for Best Sound, Best Visual Effects, Best Production Design, Best uh, Music Written for a Motion Picture, Original Score by Hans Zimmer, Best Editing, and Represent, Represent, Best Cinematography uh, by Greg Fraser, who is from Melbourne, Australia, and I believe he was from Bayswater, I was told the other day, or somewhere close to there. Um, man, what a legend. Uh, just just was the cinematographer on, on the Batman as well. Yeah, and I hope, he won, I hope he wins for the Batman as well. Yeah, that was, I mean, he should at least be nommed because I, I, whatever you think about that film, it was beautifully shot. Um, it was also nominated for uh, Best Picture as well. Um, sadly, didn't win. Uh, I would have enjoyed that. It was nominated for Best Makeup and Hair, uh, Best Costume Design, and Best to, Adapted yeah. Screenplay as well. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it was nominated for quite a few, um, but won some some great technical awards. I, I was particularly happy with uh, with Greg Fraser winning that. He was also um, uh, the uh, cinematographer on. Sorry, one second. So yeah, the Batman, Dune, the Mandalorian, Vice, um, uh, Mary Magdalene, Rogue One. The Gambler, Foxcatcher, um, Zero Dark Thirty, Killing Them Softly, Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, uh, Let Me In, uh, the remake of, um, I think, Let Them In. Um, but uh, but yeah, supremely talented um, cinematographer. Probably one of the best cinematographers working today, clearly, because he just won a fucking Oscar. But um, yeah, very cool dude. Um, so yeah, and hopefully he'll be back for number two. Absolutely. Along yeah. with Denny. Um, um, I- I just want to go back and just just talk like a few minutes more about the the Oscar situation because um, Denny Villeneuve wasn't nominated for best director. No, he wasn't. And that's a shame because he would have won. It doesn't. I don't know if he would have won, but, it, but that, regardless of that, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, how can you not? I know that there's more pictures nominated than there is people who directed them. So there's in the who who best director category. There's five, excuse me. There's five people or whatever, but there's ten films nominated for best film. Yeah, I don't I don't understand that. You can't. No, I remember back in the day when it was when a film would be the one that swept everything, that and you would know which one it was going to be. It was fucking titanic or it was you know lord of the rings return of the king or um uh, you know fucking now it's so disparate and the voting is so sporadic in its nature and there's so much stuff that has to be about like the politics of uh, around a choice as opposed to is this the best film denny venue absolutely should have been nominated at the very least it was it is a Herculean effort to adapt that book, especially in modern times, because it probably doesn't sit well for um, sci-fi fans. They're expecting, you know, laser battles and all that kind of, you know, marvelization of shit. This was soft and quiet in a lot of places. And, and as I said, meditative and had theme and story that, you know, is, is, is not palatable to the modern cinema going audience. And yet he managed to make, like I said before in the in in the, the 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 joke intro, I meant it. It's an art house blockbuster. Um, so yeah, I I completely agree. It's it's a it's I mean not that it fucking means anything. The Oscars really they're, yeah. just, they're a complete farce at this point. Um, and I don't mean the people who work on them, and I don't mean the people who who uh make the movies that get nominated. I I believe that people should be absolutely rewarded for their efforts in this field because it's a it's a it's a beautiful medium to work in um and to produce wonderful art in um but i just the 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 political stance of the oscars and the the machine uh of it the the business part of it is has become quite bankrupt um in terms of actually honoring what it should be honoring um anyway yeah so you were right about that your hair looks amazing, yeah, by the way. Thank you. Fucking fantastic. You should see it, everyone. It's <laughs> delicious. It's <laughs> I love it. It's just, it's doing its own thing. It's great. Uh, but yeah. Um, and I I would have wanted at least Daniel Villeneuve getting nominated for uh, Best Director. Timothy Chalamet for Best Actor, even though, even though if it's even though you wouldn't have won, but at least him, because 
that's his biggest role where he's actually shown how how skillful of a of an actor he is. And uh, Jason Momoa for Duncan Idaho, because that relationship with Duncan Idaho doesn't come out like as fatherly. It comes out as brothers as friends. Because mm. if you if you go and watch The Hobbit, uh, like Gandalf and The Hobbit with Bilbo is is the closest you get to friends. Whereas Gandalf to the other dwarves is just his fatherly figure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. like he tells yeah, you absolutely. what to, he tells you what to do and then okay that's what you need to do now yeah yeah but yeah just that 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 relationship as well is it's amazing and it's a it's a baller move to kill all the a-list a-list actors in the first part yeah it's it's <laughs> i mean it'll be interesting to see also there's a lot of speculation around um you know sasha ronan coming in to play the princess um uh, they've no, just it's a it's florence Pugh. is it oh okay great yeah no. they already cast it yeah if sasha ronan if sasha ronan's my favorite actress if she was casting it i would be the first one to know i was sure that it was okay yeah florence Pugh's great like yeah absolutely get her in there um it'll be interesting to see who takes over the role um that sting played in the original uh whose name the character's name escapes me hang on i'll just look it up really quickly um you know amuse yourselves folks <laughs> put on some hold music while Riggs looks up some fucking shit that he should have done before because that's how you research a pod cast right um fade uh so in 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 the uh, in the book and in the uh, original um fade is a is a an assassin for the harkonnens um and uh he's he's like you know just wants to kill them um you know my my, my name is a word for death or whatever it is um no my name is a killing thing or something and he's he's going to be he's like paul's greatest physical adversary and um i was listening to another podcast before which i won't pimp because i'm not on that one um and they were saying you know you've got zendaya in there she's going in the desert with timothy shamalo shamalumaloon chimpanzee amalek shamalamalan why not that's what that's what following spear calls him timothy (laughs) shamalamalan yeah that's so weird i love her so you know that she is wonderful. What a treasure. I wish she was my little sister so bad. Um, so, yeah, uh, she, like, uh, sorry, um, th- this, these people on this podcast were saying it should be Tom Holland. Bring Tom Holland in and have those two little dudes fight. That would be interesting. Mm, but they're, then they're pals, aren't they? They're chums. They are. And, hey, I love, I love that, that they're, they're friends and everything. The only reason why I'm a bit hesitant for that is if that happens, it will be a bit meta. It will take away from from the whole story. It would, yeah. I mean, it would become a Tom Holland picture because you know he's, yeah. he's not an ensemble on. Uh, sorry, excuse me. He's not an ensemble actor anymore. He's absolutely a leading man. We learned that from not only the Spider-Man pictures but Uncharted, which wasn't horrible. Like it was, it was serviceable. It was very forgettable. But he's a he's a you know. He's flexing his he's muscles. He's a leading he's, man. And yeah, he's a, a leading he's man. He's in his now. prime now. And uh, Timothy Chalamet and Tom Holland both are in their primes. Mm. So it, get like an older actor. I'd say Nathan Fillion would be amazing. Ooh, 
Ooh, you got me. You got my sweet spot, my Philian sweet spot. God, I love that guy so much. Hilarious. And such a good actor. Can turn on a dime too. There's episodes of Castle where his daughter gets cap- uh, kidnapped. Man, he just, he turned, all the comedy goes away and he becomes legitimately threatening. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't wait for Dune 2. It's next year, isn't it? Or Dune Part yeah, 2. Yeah, I think Dune Part 2 comes out later next year. Probably the October, I yeah. guess. Because they go into production like this summer. It's soon, yeah. And I mean, they were probably ready to go for the most part. I know, I'm pretty sure they had the script done. Um, Eric Roth talked about it, um, who's a legendary screenwriter. Um, and you can feel his fingerprints all over this. It's it's just, it, it has an old Hollywood feel about it, like you were talking about. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel it feels modern, but it also feels classical, uh, just in a way that people make movies. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 super excited about that. Uh, bring it on, bring it all on, and the TV show too. Yeah. Oh yeah, the TV show. I forgot about that. That was the leading point. We forgot. That's ah, totally fine. We got, we got to where we needed to go. I mean, I'm yeah, but that's like those characters. That like takes place what two thousand years before this. I don't know. This is set in like the year ten thousand and something. Is that correct? No, it's it's twenty nine thousand something, dude. Not ten thousand. Well, whatever the fuck <laughs> is going on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not even worried about it. That's yeah. That's that's so far into the future. I can't even fathom. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait for it. Like this, like the first part. Okay, uh, was doing the first movie that you watched after the pandemic, or like after a long break in theaters. In theaters, um, I can actually you tell you. Hang on one second. I I, I keep a, a a list of of the movies that I watch. Um, so I'll be able to tell you. It would have been when did it sort of come to an end here in Australia? Because it's you know. Uh, smaller it probably would have been no way home actually no way home came out in december doom came out in uh doom came yeah out i'm in just October. having a look hang on so no because okay so in in november we were um okay so we were still in lockdown in october here of 2021 um and then the first film that I went to the cinema to see after the end of lockdown was Shang-Chi. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't see Dune. Was What did you say it was again? Was it? October. It was October as well. It would have been pretty quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we came out of lockdown and all of a sudden I was like, give me everything. So, yeah, within very quick succession, I saw Shang-Chi, The Eternals, um, Nit Ram, and then I went to the Astor to see Rocketeer and Citizen Kane. The Astor is a cinema in Melbourne that's like a legacy theatre where they show older pictures. And yeah, and then I went and saw... Oh, I was the same day. I went and did a double bill. I often do that. I'll go to the movies in the morning and then go and have lunch and then go to the movies in the afternoon because my fucking life rules. Um, <laughs> I love being a grown-up where you make your own decisions. Up. It's the best. You make big kid decisions like going to see Dune in the morning and then going to see Venom Let There Be Carnage in the nighttime. <laughs> But yeah, so I went and saw it on uh, the 12th of December. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so probably a bit after it had opened, yeah. But For I wanted me, to get um, in because I knew it was going to be an Oscar one because I, 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 I like to see the Oscar pictures, you know. Uh, cool. Oh, yeah, because yeah, they do re-release them, right? Um, 
Sometimes. Some do at least. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, Dune was still probably big enough that it would be doing the rounds in theaters then anyway. But if I went in the morning, it would have been, you know, like a 10 a.m. session or something that they often do when the films are kind of gearing up for the award season. Why, what was your question again? <laughs> what was that? No, it's, yeah. Uh, I was saying I love the early morning shows. So I was <laughs> it's, the first time the I went early- and saw um, No Way Home, it was the day after it opened, but it was quarter past 10 in the morning at a small cinema um, called the Cameo Cinema in Belgrave in Melbourne, which is uh, in the hills. And the Cameo is a small cinema, but it's been there for years, and years at least 40 years because I, I, it's one of the first cinemas I ever went to. And I'm a member there and I, I adore it. It's my, it's my, I was there today seeing The Northman. And um, uh, I went and saw Yeah, No Way Home there first thing in the morning and it was dead. Like it was me and two other people in No Way Home opening day. Can you imagine? I, I absolutely cannot. Unbelievable. I had a seat for me and my popcorn. It was great. So um, did you want to get to uh, favorite moments, favorite lines kind of deal? Yeah, I just I just want, like, if there's any chance that Danny will know he's listening to this. I just want to say. What do you mean that, chance? Of course he is. Oh, of course he is, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my last my last film in theaters before Dune was uh, 1917. Oh, right, sorry. And, yeah. yeah, and then... Uh, Dune was coming out. I was like, "Holy shit! I need, I need to take my friends to this." And my friends, are, I'm like, all my friends that don't like uh, sci-fi and like Lord of the Rings kind of shit. Okay. It's not their taste. And I was like, "This is the film." I give them all the rundown that we've that we've done here. Everything they've, they've heard it like thousands of times now. Mm. But now they're like, "Dude, shut the fuck up, please." <laughs> Whatever. If someone doesn't want to listen to it, they can skip ahead in the podcast. On Spotify, there's a 15-second skip button, so give that a whirl if you want. Yeah. Or if you're on Amazon Music, you could do that too. I don't know what the... Because <laughs> we're accidentally on Amazon. Accidentally on Amazon Music. Yeah. Idiot. Sorry. I don't know. I cut your point off. It's been a long day. Yeah, so you went- and so I took... I convinced all my friends that if... If this movie isn't good, you don't like it. Okay. I took all of them to IMAX and we watched it. Good and man. my mind was blown. Get people like, into like the, like the first thing that comes up is the dreams are messages from the past. Uh, before the logo. Before the logo and my seat shook because it's IMAX. I was like, whoa, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I must ask you though, in the IMAX cinema, was there anyone getting a fucking hand job behind you like my one? I don't, dude, it was packed. I don't know. <laughs> so probably not, unless they were real exhibitionists kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah I should I have mean, seen for- it in IMAX. I did think about it, but my film club talked about it because the year before at Christmas time for our like hit 66, my company's like Christmas party, We the entire film club, a bunch of which of the guys uh, like they're not our staff, but they're dudes who work with us on, on recording and filmmaking and all that stuff. And so we all kind of went out to the cinema and we like, that was part of our thing. And, um, and it was such a worthwhile thing doing. And we talked about doing it for Dune as well. And then it just never transpired. I'm disappointed. We should have done that. But yeah, I mean, that film is made for IMAX and it's like, you don't you don't understand the impact of a small sound that you would hear in a standard theater and like 
like I went and watched it with my family again because I was like, now I need my family to watch it as well. Yeah, you want to share <laughs> so joy with, with people. I get it, man. I totally get it. Yeah, and so I went and watched it in, in IMAX for the first time, and like the Gomjabar scene where she, where the witch or like the head witch she uses the voice on Paul, my scene started vibrating. I was like, oh shit, I can feel it. <laughs> I can feel I can the doom. The voice. Yeah. Not that. Not that. Please. <laughs> Can't feel the doom. <laughs> feel the doom. Yeah, fair. I can feel the voice. Is it? <laughs> Just... That's so cool. Yeah. Was it and like I, a 4D that... cinema, or I don't? Uh, I've never been to an IMAX where the seat moves. No, it wasn't like it just vibrated because of the sound. Oh, because of the sound, right? Okay, I thought you were saying yeah. it was the chair was moving independent of you. Okay, yeah. right. Could you imagine watching Dune in fucking four DX when the seats move? You can't, you can't sit still there then. Yeah, and sporadically, <laughs> some asshole, you know, fifteen year old uh, 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 usher comes up and throws sand in your fucking face. <laughs> hey, you fucking pow! Like, oh, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Fucking, is there drugs in that? Is there cocaine in this? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, nothing you. I don't, nothing think you do, not- I don't think you should do cocaine and go and watch Dune, everybody. That's a huge... It's a waste of cocaine, if anything. Yeah. Um, nonsense. Well, I'm glad... See, that I, no, I get that about wanting to go with people because I my, my fiancé is a, a, a really successful theatre stage manager. So she works nights and, and she was working a couple of big shows in... Oh, thanks. <laughs> Why are you clapping? She's not here. She's in Sydney. Um, but uh, but yeah, she works on big shows and, and she was working on a, on a really big show at that, that particular period of time when uh, um, No Way Home came out at the end of last year. And I went and saw it three times at the cinema and I was alone each time. Like I didn't go with her. But then when it came out on on... Um, director video or director release and, and I, I got it on Prime I was so it was so great watching it with her like you do you want to share the things that you love like that's that's why we have a podcast you know we're not we're not doing this for shits and giggles every, I know we are doing it for shits and giggles we're not doing this for you know for fame and fortune we're doing it because we, we love this stuff and, and I totally get that wanting to go and say hey everyone this is something that means a lot to me and this is the best way to experience like come and be part of that with me come and join with me whether they fucking like it or not yeah so and that's that's one of my favourite uh, cinema going experiences ever it's yeah. not even nowhere home it's 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 doing it's, we, we, it's, we did when we first started talking when we first started talking, you told me that as well. You were like, that was, yeah, that's the tip of the spear, you know? I Every chance I get, I bring that story up. That's Dude, what I'm saying. Tell everybody. Um, fantastic. Well, yeah, absolutely recommend Dune, everyone. Get out there and check it out. Uh, it's, it is available on, on VOD now. And um, just love it. Just, just you know, be involved and um, get yourself some, I don't know, some gummy worms. Bandient. What's a good snack for it? Gummy worms would be a good snack for it. Um, anything wet, uh, you know, bowl of soup or some water is probably a good idea just to have next to you. I was really thirsty through a lot of it. I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, just Isn't have a good time. water on an Yeah, exactly. I did <laughs> spit on somebody. Um, but yeah, so just get into it and, and accept it for what it is. And, and, you know, I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it.
But we're going to do our, our, uh, our roundup before we get to Q&A. Uh, we're going to do our favorite lines and our favorite moments. Let's start. Do you want to start with favorite lines as favorite moments, Addie? Um, you choose because uh, we've got top three favorite moments and I've got top five lines as well. Okay. Well, let's do, let's do favorite moments first. Um, I don't have these in an order, um, but I think probably one of my favorite moments is, is, is the moment when he's doing the, um, sorry, is it Gom Jabbar test? And, and you can see him struggling and the, the poison darts right next to his neck. And then all of a sudden, you're right, that score drops in and he just stares down the, the Benny Jesuit and his, the, fur, the furious um, uh, determination to endure what was happening to him and looking into that woman's eyes. Wonderful. What a, what a great performance. So that's that's one. It's the, expect, yeah. it's the acceptance of pain and the... Uh... Yeah, just that. Yeah, sorry. No, that's okay. I thought you'd frozen. Um, yeah, the 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 understanding that that you know, pain ends, but but his power does not. So, um, what's 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 one of your favorites? Um, uh, uh, my number three is um, when they're in the storm, when they escape. It's when it's when Dun it's right after Duncan Idaho's death when they escape and they're in the storm and he has a vision where he sees Jamis and Jamis says uh, uh, it's the mystery of life is not to be solved but uh, a source to go through and you see the imagery of uh, the sand vibrating and turning into water and stuff and it's it's that scene in the storm where where he has a vision. And instead of fighting with the storm, he turns off all the controls of the of the helicopter. I'm not going to say the name. <laughs> turns, turns off all the controls of the helicopter. He, yeah, and uh, he just he just goes with the flow. Yeah, and that's oh, it. Yeah, and that's that saves his life. Super cool. Yeah. See, you you remember? Yeah, I forgot that bit, and you reminded me. Um, okay, my next uh, my next favorite is is uh, just because of. It's actually a line, but it's a moment as well. It's where he's, you know, Paul has underestimated the opponent and uh, uh, Gurney says, they're brutal. Like he's just, he, that moment, get, get, I, I was like, all right, I would listen to this guy. Um, that whole scene actually is really, really great. Yeah. The training scene. I, I, that's, that, that, that entire moment of them training is really, really great. So that's number two. My number two is the first time we see Duncan, where he comes out of the uh, the ship and he and he hugs Paul. You're such a softy, Addie. I love it so much. You are. You're so sentimental. I, you, you, and I wonder we get along so well. It's beautiful. It's such a, such a great place to be in. Yeah, that's a very sweet moment. Uh, sadly, my my last favorite moment is is a, a Duncan Idaho scene, but it's. You know, it, it precedes his his untimely death. And even though that, that the, the actual fight scene in that corridor where he pulls the second blade out is just... And Momoa, like, sells it. He's such a physical actor. He's got such presence. You know, the guy's channeling gods. and uh, But it's the moment where he he does the, the salute, the sword to the arm and then the sword to the forehead. Yeah, that, and oh, the God, yeah. Shuts, and the door shuts just at that moment. I'm like, oh, why don't you just kick me in the balls? And I'll cry. Amazing. That's oh, that's yeah. probably that's my favorite. That was the, the the moment in the film where I felt the most 
emotionally charged because I knew what was about to happen, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a solution of, uh, of save the future and now this is my time to, to save it one last time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what's your last one? Oh, that was your number one? That's my number one, yeah. Oh, no, is there okay. five? No, uh, no the top three. three. Yeah, yeah. 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 Three yeah that was my number one, absolutely. What's your number one? <clears throat> my number one is uh, Duke Leto's death and the way that it's cut, it's he's dying like the way the time when he presses the teeth it's the same time paul takes out the ring from the bag so it's is the simultaneous uh editing of the situation where you're like where you're on the same page as paul when he uh, when he understands that his dad has died and now now the house the house at trade is on is on his shoulders yeah it's that's that's a, a very that, um Sorry, I cut you off there. What'd you say? No, I just say it's it's beautifully edited and just amazing. It's a yeah, it's a technique called intercutting, and it's where you're going back and forth from two scenes that are paralleling each other, not necessarily in time always, but in in you know uh, story beat in theme. Um, so those are two very important moments that are connected, even if they're not happening at exactly the same point in time. So yeah, absolutely, man, I love that. And you know, Oscar Isaac's. The guy's wonderful. Um, all right. So favorite lines. Um, I'm just, I've actually got like full transparency. I've got IMDb's um, like quotes uh, actually up in front of me. And I'm just like sort of, cause I didn't write these down. I'm kind of rolling through them just while we chat. But um, obviously, you know, one of the, my, my favorites you know, that I've just read back here and gone, oh yeah, that is a really, really good line. Um is uh, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings obliteration. You know, I'm not, do I sometimes chant that when I'm doing deadlifts and it's really heavy? Maybe. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> deadlifts are heavy, all right? I need all the help I can get. So that's a really good one. What, what's one of your favorites, Addy? Uh, my number five is very fitting because I've been quoting it since the first episode. It's weird how it's on number five, and this is the fifth episode now. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's this is only the beginning. Yeah, that's this is my number five. It's so good because it's and the fact that it comes at the end of the story, it, the promise of more of this world. You know, I know that people were like, "Oh, it doesn't end properly," or whatever. Shut up. <laughs> well, not shut up, but I, I understand what you're saying. But you know, just give it a second. The, the the promise of more of this world in that line is is not only the story and 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 Paul's journey and everybody's journey really you know um, Lady Jessica's and and uh, uh, Zendaya's character um, and 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 her entire race as well. It's it's Danny Villeneuve saying, "Oh, don't you worry, we got some more of this candy yeah. business. Don't worry about it." Um. Cool. Uh, as, and another line that I, I very much enjoy, um, which I'm just looking up here, uh, Duncan Idaho says, um, dreams make good stories, but everything important that happens is when we're awake. And and I like that in the sense that he's he's kind of wrong. Uh, yeah. It, it's what, what is going on in, in Paul's subconscious and his prescience, his ability to see into the, the what ifs and the maybes and the definitelys um, is... is incredibly important even though it is of, of a subconscious nature so um yeah and you know 
Momoa. <laughs> yeah, Momoa. Love him. You stole my number two. Eat a bag of salt and vinegar dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That, well, okay, well, what's your number four? I'm not doing these in order. I'm just going down and going, hey, I really like this. Yeah, my number four is uh, my road leads into the desert. Because it does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because, because it, it does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fant- fantastic line from, uh, from Duke Leto. Um, a great man doesn't seek to lead. He is called to it. Anybody can take that. And it doesn't matter, man, woman, or other. If you put yourself in that sentence and, and you are a leader, not that I am, but I, 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 can, I can feel the power in that line, definitely. That was, that was tied with my number one, but I went for something else. Am I running roughshod all over your guesses? Uh, my number three is uh, the mystery of life isn't a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. Yeah, some I really like that too. Some fucking Republican uh, in, in America used that in a speech at one point, and I was like, would you shut up? Just shut up. Not that that's important, but it just, it, it's a great line. Yeah. Um, and it's that's in it's in voiceover, is it not? Yeah, it's uh, in Paul's vision. It's in Paul's vision. It's weird how that vision never actually happened. Yeah, where we see we see James gui- guiding Paul to his journey, and but his journey, or at least the start of his journey, is to to kill James. And it's, it's in to, the death of him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that maybe that's a, a harbinger. Maybe that's a, a, a forebear of what's to happen. Is this person will guide you, even if they don't do it in this fashion? The death of that man will be, you know, a linchpin in in your your journey to become whatever it is it'll become. What's your number two? Uh, am I up to number two or number three? Yes, you, yes, number two. Number two. Um, do, 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 hang on. I'm just, there was one I thought of and I need to get the wording right. Um, it was the, the box one. Hang on one sec. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's when um, uh, uh, the Benny Jesuit is talking to Paul and she's like, the test is simple. Remove your hand from the box and you die. And Paul says, what's in the box? And she just says, pain. Oh, that is cold-blooded. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. My number two is your number four. James make, uh, James make good stories by everything important happens when we're awake. Yeah, great line. And and again, delivered with such casual kind of, ah, don't yeah. worry, buddy, I know better than you. And you're like, no, you don't. Um, <laughs> so good. And I think, uh, you know, as I said, these aren't in order. They're just lines that I really liked. And and, and Duke Leto's line, um, which is, it's so steeped in, in formality and um, legacy and kind of anachronistic way of behavior. But it's just when the guy comes down and says, hey, the emperor says you can go and mine spice for him. And the Duke says, uh, we are house of traders. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. The emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House of traders accepts. Like, I just love the strength. Yeah, it's just like Lido is, and, and, and absolutely Oscar Isaacs has so much, you know, gravitas in that role. Um, normally that kind of pontificance and, 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 and uh, you know, almost kind of like 
royal family speechifying garbage bothers me. Like I don't, would you shut up and get on with the point? But in this, all of that stuff in this film really, really struck a chord. And I, I can't explain why I just, it did. And what's your number one? I'm so excited. My number one's a whole passage. Cool. Let's do it. Here we go. Oh, he's got I a really could... Oh no, I have it on my phone. Oh, it's on your phone. It looks like a notepad. Yeah. I do have a notepad. That I sent you the the photo of the editing points. Yeah, that's my <laughs> notepad. You should put that up, you know, to show people the, the, the effort that you. This man, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, and people of all sorts and colors and creeds and favorite lollies. This man is so dedicated to this podcast. It is, it, it's miraculous. Like I honestly, I turn up and I talk and it's super fun and I get to hang out with my friend for a couple of hours and then speak to you lovely people. And then I take the file, I do an audio master on it. I check it and I send it back to Addy and that's it. And he does everything else. It's so dedicated and and um, uh, uh, talented in, in what he does. Uh, you should all be giving a round of applause. So just you're 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 a dude, Addy. I love you. Thanks so much for for all the work that you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm a dude. I love you too, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So your number one uh, passage. I want to hear it. Okay. I feel like putting the uh, the mind killer thing is is cheating because that is the best line of the whole book. Yeah, it's the one that everyone knows as well. Yeah, but there's something that not everyone knows. But I fucking love this. Right, let's go. Okay. Best. Fucking up. Okay. <laughs> Take two. Take Bless the maker and his water. Bless the coming and going of him. May his passage cleanse the world. May he keep the world for his people. So good. So good. What a, what a nice and way to, uh, to send people off. And that's the first time we see the Shah Halud. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's so good, man. It's a great movie. It's a really great movie, everyone. We should check it out. So um, before we before we run it off, uh, you should check it out. Not we should check it out. We've checked it out already. Yeah. You go and check I've it out. I've checked it out six times. And then come back to us. Come back to us and tell us what you thought. Um, but we've got a bit of Q&A, Addy. Is that right? We do have Q&A. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for sending in questions. This is super fun. I love doing this part. Thank you so much, everyone. Okay. So, oh, for fuck's sake. Someone asked uh, about why John again? Carter... Is it pineapple? Is it the pineapple question? <laughs> fuck. <laughs> no, it's the same guy, though. It's the same guy. <laughs> the legend. I love him. Um, uh, why, is jo why is John Carter an underrated film to you? Have you seen John Carter? Yes. Is it underrated for you? Um, yeah, I mean it, it. It bombed and it nearly bankrupt Disney. It was. It, it did not do well. I like that movie. It's a bit long, but it's a really good action no, adventure. It's not that long. It's two hours twelve minutes. It's a bit long for the material, maybe. I don't know, but I mean, it just. It's like it's like the the, the mummy or or um you know something of that kind of journey to, to the center of the earth or you know um the race to which mountain it's just a good big fun sci-fi story and it's cool like you know this person a, a, a human being goes to mars and has different abilities there because the environment's different like it's a reverse superman it's super cool yeah it's it's superman but from the from the eyes of 
the fuck am I saying no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you check yourself there. What the fuck am I talking about? Jesus, Addy, come on, mate. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's a, it's a Superman story from the perspective of Kalel, and I was like, that's what Superman is, you fuck. <laughs> You jackass. Yeah, no, I get it. No, I think the Superman story is is often a perspective of the people. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Not necessarily, especially when you get to the second act of those movies, it's always the people. So I totally get that. Do you you like that film a lot, don't you? I know we'll probably uh, do an ep on it one day, but... Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that, that film... That film, um, it's a whole crumbling from the whole uh, perspective of it's it was disney that was that had this ip and had nothing planned to do with it but they were like we're getting star wars let's just do this and <clears throat> john carter i mean you have the name john carter like if if you watch a movie called star wars the rise of skywalker you know that name that's why you go and watch that mm-hmm. right <clears throat> You know, you watch the film Indiana Jones because you know that name. You fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew John Carter. It's a hundred-year-old text, and nobody knows. Nobody cares. And it's it's an amazingly well-done film, <clears throat> and uh, the visuals are amazing. Uh, good God, who's Green Goblin, dude? Willem Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yes. Point, uh, points to Riggs for Yay! <laughs> letting me... Yeah, I actually got a, a name right. Who's yeah. the Green Goblin guy? Is he... uh, William Dafoe is in it. And uh, he plays a CG dude who is one of my favorite sci-fi characters ever. Tars. Tars to cars. Yes. He, like those aliens are like, they have four arms. Like, it's amazing. It's yeah, and the, and we... the really fast dog. It's a, it's a frog dog that looks like a mushroom. Yeah, a frog dog. A f- yeah, a fr- it's a fr- a fr- dog. <laughs> and it's directed by yeah. Andrew Stanton, who who wrote the Finding Nemo films, and Wally, no less. It's cool. it was a time of Disney acquiring Star Wars, and they tried to do something that didn't that that didn't that didn't sit right with a lot of people. I love that film. I watched it with my mom, which is the highlights. <laughs> I think but I'm yeah. going to I'm have to revisit, actually. Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote the, the original story, The Princess of Mars. Well, there you yeah. go. Yeah, right on. Well, that's what we think of it. Person who asked about the pineapple. Yeah. Um, right, here's another one. Mm-hmm. What would you... What would your dream casting be for any of the characters in Dune 2? I don't know a lot of them. Yeah, I will um that's yeah, me me either. Like I'm 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 sort of a little bit um I'm just trying to think back to the Lynch version. Um like I said before, the the character that Sting played where he was wearing a a a, a grown-up's nappy. Um fade uh yeah i'd say i mean he's probably the biggest character that will be uh, maybe not 
Okay, I'm just going to go with that character because I know that's a character they're going to have to introduce. And you need someone who is who is a, a, a trained killer, like a born killer, um, and could could match wits with what I'm assuming will be a better trained Paul Atreides as uh, 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 played by Timothy Shyamalan. So who would I cast in that role? Tom Holland was just a joke. That I don't think that's probably the best idea. Oh, fuck. Your main man, Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Get yes. Him in there and get him in, get him in villain mode, like in, like in uh, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. You know, get him, have him be huge. And, and just, have him be huge with a, with a beard and a mustache, please. Yeah, and a red hair, like the way that they're supposed to be big red head, and a huge handlebar mustache. Like, bring it, make him look like Lobo. Like, bring it on. <laughs> That's a big. Lobo's a good pull. Lobo's, a, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, we should do him. What about you? Only if you got if you got the Lobo reference, I love you. Of course, yeah. If anybody knows who Lobo is, chef's kiss to you. Um, so yeah, that would be my pick anyway. Yeah. I mean, you can't, like, it's Henry Cavill now. Where else do I go from there? Henry Cavill could play me in a movie and I'd go and see it. But then again, that would probably work. <laughs> he could play the phone book <laughs> in the phone book, the movie. And I would go and see it. So wonderful actor. Next. Wow, I'm gonna go in a little in a limb here and say, I don't know the I don't know the actor, but um, he's from Dark, the German Netflix TV show. Sure. He plays the stranger in the first uh, first season. Who I'm not gonna give any spoilers away because I want literally everyone on this planet to see that mm-hmm. show. But yeah, the the arc of that character and the way the the actor plays him, it's phenomenal his name is his name is Andres and I'm not going to pronounce the last name because I do not know good call how it yeah but yeah uh, the guy who plays the stranger in dark I can show you if you want yeah well I mean you can put a picture up with for the the YouTube folks if you you want to but otherwise everybody get your phones out and get on IMDB and if you don't have that app you should because we're all cinephiles here yeah or just Google just Google dark and you'll have it yeah it'll probably be the first thing comes up yeah or you know what fuck it I'm gonna say Um, the stranger who plays uh, the person who plays stranger in dark or the guy who plays Jonas Conwald uh, the main guy, Lewis Hoffman. Get him. He's fucking amazing in that show. Be good. Nice to see a bit of, you know, Henry Cavill's a pretty big name. Maybe give somebody who, who isn't, because it's all, it's all, they're very well established casts. All of the people in those are, are, are top tier, you know, in, in Hollywood right now. Maybe cast outside your normal net. Definitely. Yeah. I like your thinking, sir. Uh- yeah, also Dark's an amazing TV show. So. I know. I keep fucking every time you mention it, I'm like, God damn it! I'm skydiving again. I need to watch this. From... I'm just gonna show my... you here. Right oh. on my hand. Oh, he's delicious. Man, what a jawline! Yeah, get him. Get him to headbutt Timothy Shamalamalu. Yeah, and like he probably. I think you can see it clearly now. Yeah, yeah, man. Because he he looks kind yeah. of effect the same way that. 
Sting does, but still looks formidable. Like he could, he could kick some ass. Yeah, he he really could. Yeah, right on. I love it. Uh, any more questions? Yeah, yeah, we got. Yeah, we've got as much as the first one. We've got seven. Seven. All right. Well, let's we'll, we'll speed through them. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dune? And uh, will there be a Dune part two? Well, you just listened to the whole podcast. That's a thought. Yeah, and thank you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the answer to your question. And yes, there'll be a Dune part two. Let's get. Yes, there will be, and I can't, can't wait. Yeah, that was a good question. Next. Um, what do you think makes films cinematography stand out? Any personal references or preferences? What, what do I think makes a film cinematography stand out? Yeah. And do I have any preferences? Yeah. Um, I think probably motivated lighting is super important. <clears throat> um, Roger Deakins and Greg Fraser are masters of that. Whenever you see an image in a film and it is lit by what appears to be moonlight, street light, like interior lamps, things like that. That's not the case. They are, there are lights in there. They can even be in the shot in some instances, but the bulb will be replaced with a stronger bulb because cameras aren't as sensitive as the human eye and they have to conform to f-stops and you know iso ratings and shutter speeds and things like that and if it's moonlight or something i can guarantee you it's not it's usually a plume like a huge big light in the sky but they look like it it looks like it belongs you're not going that's unusual the shadows are cutting wrong or whatever um i just finished a project recently where i used a, a lamp in the background of a shot in soft focus and then that motivated the light that was next to the character and then I used cove lighting, which is a, a, a technique that um, Roger Deakins uses where you drop a, a, a white, like a flat bounce, um, and then curve it at the floor and then hit light into that at different um, uh, strengths. And it softens the shadows on the opposite side of that person's face. But if you look at that shot, it looks like it's being lit by that lamp. So I think motivated lighting is really critical. Um, and also uh, if we're talking about cinematography you have to talk about camera movement having just seen the northman there's a lot of extended takes uh where the camera is moving in dynamic ways in ways that maybe you're not aware revealing things at the same times as a character so i think as beautiful as a locked off shot can be dune is a perfect example of that when there is movement, unexpected movement, um, you know, there's that great shot in Black Panther where um, uh, T'Challa, uh, sorry, um, not T'Challa, uh, who's the, the bad guy in, in that? Killmonger. Killmonger enters the throne room and the, the camera is on its side and then dutches as he enters the frame. Sorry, you can, people can't see yeah. my hands doing that, but I'm sort of mimicking what it is. Things like that, you know, dynamic movement, motivated lighting, and also and understand of timing and not timing as in the the way something, you know, how long it takes to get from point A to B, color timing. So, or what, what is commonly referred to as color grading. Uh, so how you enhance the image by using uh, 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 tone uh, and texture, um, e either in the post-production uh, 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 
um, when you're doing post-production or if you're actually building LUTs into your camera work. Um, you know, uh, Greg Fraser um, did amazing work on the Batman. I, I don't know if he used built-in LUTs and stuff, but the the tone and texture of that picture is is remarkable, and the use of the use of water in particular as a as a way to translate light on screen. Um, so yeah, I also kind of like a flat image. Like I don't like too much color grading. Like there was this huge thing in, sorry, I know I'm going on, but I love this stuff. There was a huge thing in the early 2000s spun out of kind of, I guess the, the, um, Tony Scott, you know, thought of, of filmmaking or just post matrix where everybody went to this super like saturated, you know, high contrast imagery that is, you know, it's really cool looking, but everything looks like a Pepsi commercial. Um, yeah, it just, it's, it's so much on you that you like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like a lot of saturation, a lot of really, sh really harsh whites, really dark blacks, not a lot of dynamics. Um, and, and, and something that's sort of coming back more now. And I noticed it in, in an Australian film called The Dry with Eric Banner that was, was um, shot here. And I actually messaged the cinematographer on Instagram and said how much I love the film. It was much more the natural. I mean, it probably wasn't the natural look you get out of the camera when shooting log, which is a, a form of, of, of shooting um, or a way you shoot something flat so that you have, you know, between eight to 16 stops of, 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 uh, uh, of adjustment you can make in post. But Dune is an example of that. It is quite matte. You know, there's not, it's not a lot of sheen. It looks like sand. So I think definitely that I, I, I like the dynamics of that as opposed to the really high contrast, you know, film clip look. Wow. That's, really? I just went on and on. I'm so sorry. I do that. I can't help no. it. I love that man, and uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It came out of the the Transformers films, which is oversaturation. In an to an absurd degree, those films, yeah, yeah. very much so. Um, and that's like I I can't go back and look at those films now because they're like just too much, man. It's hard. It's hard, especially when you see things like like Dune being produced, where uh, you know it's and and, and look at those films again. I, mean, I I guarantee you, if you look at a film that is is uh, has a, a DP behind it, like to the talents of Greg Frazier or, or um, uh, uh, Roger Deakins. Look at where the light is coming from. Look at how it's hitting the space, because you you don't you don't light faces, you light spaces, and then you put the faces in them. So look at the way that these people are, are, are drawing your eye in places where it would naturally go based on light, but that light is not natural. It is, it is being manufactured and how remarkable it is that they can use the magic of cinema to, to make you think that that's, that's what's going on. So yeah, that's, that's how I feel about that <laughs> for 20 minutes. Sorry. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, my personal references would, I'd say Greg Frazier for Dune and uh, and Roger Deakins for 1917. Those films are masterpieces in just the way that they're shot. Mm. And it's like not even about the technical stuff because 1917 is the one shot and Dune is this immaculate experience. But anything that makes you feel like that world is real and tangible is something that always gravitates me. It's a very, it's a very small answer towards yours, but that, uh, that's what I feel. Well, you know, I've I've been a 
cinematographer for like 20 years. So I just have more kind of, and I'm not, not in anywhere near the ability level that these guys are. Cause I, I, you know, mostly just a cameraman, but I do have some idea of, of how to make things look right. But I mean, 1917, Roger Deakins had cameras built differently so that he could make that picture. They had a, a an ISO, um, which is uh, the level of, it's sort of like an f-stop, but it's just the way the sensor on the camera reads light and how how sensitive it becomes. And the higher it is, typically the more noise you get in the image, the more grain. So most modern cameras, you're looking at about 850 as a native ISO, which is you know a good place to be in. So you're not going to get too much noise in places. You know the Canon C300 Mark III that I currently use, its ISO stop goes up to 32,000 and it's still pretty fucking good in terms of not getting too much grain. Roger Deakins had cameras, you know, changed so that he could use only candlelight and their their ISO stop is, you know, ridiculous. It's, it's you know, 100,000. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely the guys who are doing the work that's the most interesting. Um, just yeah, they- m- moving, moving the art form forward. Next question. Next question. Yeah, that was a big one. Thank you for asking that. I love talking this stuff, so yeah. I appreciate your time. Um, so do you believe that the lack of a third act takes away from the movie? I personally do. That's that's what the person said. You, oh, they personally do. Yeah. Um, I can understand why you would feel that way. Sure. I, I don't think the third act of that film um, is very short. It starts when... Uh, they're in the cavern and the Fremen come upon them. Um, it's yeah. mostly second act, that film. And you're absolutely right. I find the ending quite satisfying, like I said before, in that the button on it is you see someone riding a sandworm and you're like, well, the Shai Halud. And you're like, oh, okay, this is a whole new adventure about to come. So, but yeah, I mean, as a, as a, just a, a regular cinema goer, a regular observer of film, it would, it could feel unsatisfying. Yeah. I don't feel that way, but I could understand why someone would. Yeah, I also I also get what uh, what the person means uh, because as you said, it is a really really short third act, and uh, like not to compare, but I am going to uh, <laughs> the lot the lot of the rings films. Even though tell a larger story, those films do follow a three act structure where um, each uh, each film has their own story to tell. Where this feels like a new. Like the the third act of this film feels like, or I guess the first and feels like a starting of an act, right? Yeah. And I'm all for that. I'm, like you you break the system and you break the rules of writing and you still come up with a a piece like Dune. It's it's just mind blowing. Yeah, and you don't need to. The idea of an act structure is just it's 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 conforming to an idea of what cinema uh, screenwriting is or playwriting for that matter. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Like I said before, um, Batman Begins has four acts. Uh, some some films have, you know, a, a prologue and then the first act is only a few minutes and then it's a huge second act or whatever. Like it doesn't... And then sometimes you can have something that is almost not a third act at all, like we're talking about Dune. As long as the story that you're telling has a cohesiveness, it shouldn't really matter. But I, I do. this is a particular case because it ends at a dead stop and it wasn't yeah. necessarily a guarantee that you were get like with lord of the rings we knew something else was coming you know 
when they were like, no, we've got to go after the, the hobbits that have been kidnapped because that's what our role is. And Sam and, and, and Frodo can go to the mountain and that's, you know, yeah. that's not our charge. So that's the next adventure. But with this, it was like, this is only the beginning. And you're like, well, fuck, is it? <laughs> Come on, Zendaya. I, I listen to you a lot. The scene where she throws the bread roll at... at, at oh, um, yeah. I was like, where? <laughs> Andrew Garfield. Do you have the tingly thing? I've got the tingly thing, just not for bread. Like, oh, my God. What a wonderful actress, anyway, is my point. Uh, next question. From, from reading the book, which is... Which is one character you want to see in the in the next movie? Well, you haven't read the book. I've read like what zero point three percent of the book. Yeah, that's not much. Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't read the book. But like I said before, the character of Fade, who was played by I think that's how you say it, who was played by um, Sting minus the police, um, people who like sting or don't like sting all the police will think that's funny because the police were his band but Addie's looking at me like i've just had a stroke or something um yeah i'll be looking looking forward to seeing that character absolutely yeah i'm looking forward uh to seeing uh, florence Pugh as a princess oh yeah of course yeah yeah absolutely uh the doc the daughter of the of the emperor mm. basically yeah and there are plans for that character that i must not say yeah, yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave that. So, and and yeah. what was the last question? And the last one is top five sci-fi films. Go. Fuck. Top five sci-fi. Okay, off the top of my head, um, without actually giving them, you know, uh, uh... okay, that's not the last question, isn't it? We got more. Okay, it's, it's not we got more. That's all right. I'll do it real quick then. Um, uh probably you sons of bitches what are you doing this to me for um back to the future 2 yes before back to the future 1 um because that's how i roll i'm looking around my house at um oh okay creature from the black lagoon i'd, I'd say that's probably more sci-fi than anything as even though it's a monster picture um i fucking i really like event horizon um, but only because I watched it recently. So I'm just sort of thinking about it more. Um, 2001 A Space Odyssey um, and Alien. Nice. I, I might feel differently tomorrow. I might think of a whole bunch of other ones and be like, fuck, why didn't I mention this one? But that that off the top of my head, and we, you know, it's getting getting long. I wanted to, to, to give you a quick answer. What about you? Um, <clears throat> doing? Fucking yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. The one, the one that we have the podcast about, but you forgot to mention your list. That one. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, for me, yeah, Dune's first. Uh, Back to the Future, because of course. Yep. Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Ah, I forgot the original Blade Runner. Damn it. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Um. Holy shit! I haven't seen a lot of sci-fi. Oh, John Carter, because we just yeah. talked about it. Yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy? That classifies as sci-fi, right? It's, absolutely it is. Yeah, it's a space opera. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Ad Astra. Oh, man, that movie rules. Apart from the weird second act baboon. <laughs> oh, no, fuck that. Fuck Ad Astra. 2001. 
Yeah, 2001 Space Odyssey is pretty great. I mean, yeah. Ad Astra is, is it, I really like that film. I went and saw it at the cinema with absolutely no preconception and it was just like, holy shit. Interstellar is pretty good too, while I think of it. Um, and The Martian. Yeah. There's a lot of really good sci-fi. Go ahead and get some sci-fi yeah, in your friends. It's, it's, it's fantastic. The um, Martian's a more entertaining sci-fi film than a lot of sci-fi films. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of, it's a good one-man show, you know? I, I, I like... Um, yeah. I like... Uh, My Damon Absolutely. Um, was there one more question, did you say? Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite Danny Villeneuve film? Arrival. That's the only one I haven't seen. Oh, man. Fuck. Everyone, we're leaving right now and Addy's going to watch Arrival. <laughs> it's out fucking standing, man. It is just... It's everything I love about movies. The spectacle and the scope and using genre to talk about human stuff and like oh you and i oh i don't even know just go and check it out because it is i watched it again like fairly recently oh it's wonderful check it out sorry about that yeah i'll, I'll check it out for sure my favorite denny Wilner film is uh, doom he's doing yeah see he's, yes. he's he's batting 100 percent at the moment for Addy. i love it what was it before that though the uh, favorite Denny Villeneuve film? Yeah, before Dune came out. Prisoners, probably. Yeah, yeah. That's that. see. I watched. Yeah. I did his. I did a whole run of his stuff last year. Um, after rewatching Sicario, which is great too. He's he doesn't have a lot of misses. I'm telling you, like if he was a I'm baseball gonna, yeah. player, he'd be like you know Babe Ruth. Um, that's yeah. I mean, he's he's or if he was a hockey player, he'd be Wayne Gretzky. He's yeah, definitely, definitely knocking out part. Can't wait for Dune too. Was that the last question? Uh, we've got one more. Uh, what's your? <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. It's fine. Um, your favorite Roger Deakin film? A film that Roger Deakin has done the cinematography for. Oh man, can you hang on while I look it up? Because I, I just, I don't want to like say something. Yeah. Like you know. I'm gonna do the same. Yeah. I know my answer, but I have to do the same. Uh. Roger Deakins. God, he's just such an amazing. He was born in 1949. That's yeah. Great. There was a there was an interview that came out after the 1917 where he said, I think the interview interview was like, so is there ever a plan to hang up the court because you know because of your age? Because he's 72. He's not he's not that old, but yes, he is old. Um, so he said, and he, like he brought out the camera that he got made for 1917, and he said, "The weird thing is, the uh, the more the more amount of uh, numbers I gain in my age, the more lighter the cameras become." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's he's almost he's almost made for it. You know, it's never going to be a, a struggle for him. Um, yeah, remarkable. I mean, he he is he's the greatest living cinematographer, um, absolutely, and 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 he he might be the greatest of all time. I don't know, but um, he also has a podcast with his wife called Team Deacon, yeah. which is absolutely yeah, love that podcast. Yeah, for 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 cinema fans, like check it out. It's it's fantastic. I think my favorite film that he's done is The Big Lebowski, but that's because that's like my second favorite film. But my favorite yeah. film based on um, the cinematography is No Country for Old Men. Oh, I knew Ooh. that. I knew that answer straight away. Yeah, either that or the assassination of um, uh, Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford is is the first film I've ever seen anyone use um, 
um, a split shift lens, which is um, you'll often see them when they're doing like uh, uh, landscape images and it, and it focuses the lens on a very particular point of the frame so much so that it often makes, you know, cityscapes look like miniatures. You'd know what I meant if you saw that. And he used this, he actually um, uh, like uh, uh, adjusted factory lenses to be able to do this. And they like channeled the the focal point of the lens to a minute degree. That's That movie has taught me more about cinematography in two and a half hours than I, I did in three years of film school. Like it was just incredible. But I, th- I, th- I still think No Country for Old Men, just because again, the motivated lighting, the, the lack of lighting as well, like the absence of light is in cinematography is just as important as the presence of light, um, even more so in some cases, especially when you're doing a neo-noir like No Country. Yeah, uh, I would argue the absence of light is more important. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty damn critical. Um, you know, in yeah. order to have positive space, you need negative space to, to accentuate. So yeah, um, No Country, what about you? Yeah, it's weird not putting 1917 up there because that's one of my favorite movies of all time. But uh, I I will have to go with Skyfall. Okay, yeah, right, all right. Yeah. It's pretty uh, incredible. Skyfall, yeah, it's, a, it's the one that not a lot of people like, but that's my favorite Bond film. Oh, you're gonna get eaten in the comments. You can't fuck with you can't fuck with people with Bond, Star Wars, or di- or or the Snyderverse. You get you get eaten alive. Or, or the MCU. Or the MCU, yeah. But that's okay. It doesn't matter. We're all allowed to have our opinions, and uh, Roger Deakins is a legend. Is one of them. So, is that all? Is that the last question? And that, everybody, is episode five in the books. We rule. Um, thank you so much for coming along again. Friends, kind people, human beings, and aliens transmitting on other planets or receiving this transmission. Or in the future. Hey, future oh, people. Yeah. Is Roger De- Deacon still alive? <laughs> I really hope he is. I hope he's I really a hope cyborg. He I hope he's like half cyborg still making movies, man. If anyone deserves it, it's him, the first cyborg. Well, they should just do a full vision and give him like an, uh, uh, an organic adamantium thing, uh, vibranium rather. Thank you so much for coming along again, uh, my friends. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you for discussing Dune and all the nonsense that went along with it. We have such a good time. And um, we'll be back next week. Do we know what we're doing next week? I ask that every week. Oh, right? you- Not yet? Yeah. We ask that every week. We don't know. Well, you, uh, chose, but- you chose Dune. Maybe I'll have to think of something this time. Yes, sir. Um, So, yeah, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And goddamn episode five, dude. I know we're we're doing this for real. Like this is we're, yeah. we're, you know this isn't a joke anymore. We don't this isn't for fun. Like many rappers always are saying, this ain't a game. It's not a game. Why aren't why is nothing a game for rappers? That's ridiculous. And then what's really funny is uh uh um was it Mary J Blythe uh um uh. Snoop Dogg, Eminem, and Dr. Dre performed at the Super Bowl. And I was like, wow, sometimes it is a game. <laughs> Blew my mind. Um, but yeah, it's it's so much fun. Again, check us out on uh, on Instagram. Addy is uh, Film Addict Reviews. Uh, I'm uh, the Stitch Up with Riggs. And uh, come, come down and, and uh, have a chat, you know. Uh, we're also on uh, YouTube, Filmatic Podcast. We're on Accidentally Amazon Music and uh, Spotify as well. So um, come check us out next week when we talk about some other stuff. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining in. Stay amazing. Stay healthy. And 
This is only the beginning. Yeah, that's how we're ending. 